Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Good to be back. I hope you all enjoyed your weekend. Thank you to uh, Stan and Griffin for filling in on Friday. So we did a heroic job, I think. That's what people were saying. Heroic? That's what people were saying. Heroic, yeah. you said. Yes. yes. I mean, I think we you saved were, Glenn Clark Radio. Well. I think you were fine, but whoever the heck that other guy was that was in here with you, that maniac. That psychopath moving the Lamarometer up to seventy-eight percent. Who the confident. hell is that guy? <laughs> Crazy person. This guy's—it's nuts. I thought we might get him to to wander right, in and yeah. defend himself yeah. for that. Stan's actually here today, but he's he's working in the other room. I was trying to egg him on, and I don't even know if he hears me. We'll get to the Lamar meter in a second. Coming up this morning, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I had a great weekend with the folks from Ed Block. I'll tell you all about that. Also, um, we'll dive into a uh, rough weekend for the Birds. And one national championship game down, one to go. Obviously, much discussion about yesterday's LSU-Iowa game. Angel Reese, Baltimore native, winning the title, but a lot of people unhappy with Angel Reese and her actions at the end of the game. I'm writing about it today at PressBoxOnline.com, and I might not, I might not give it away this time. I haven't decided yet. I know I, every Monday I just give away my column on the show and sort of like, wait, why would you go read it? I just told you everything. I might not this time for a change. Maybe. We'll see how things play out. Coming up on the program today, Pat Scary, Towson basketball coach. He was recently named Skip Prosser Man of the Year by College Insider, which is a very high honor for everything that Pat does. We, I think a lot of people around here are very familiar with his work um, with autism and, and the fight to try to help those who deal with autism, and it's a, it's a cause that is very important to him. He was recognized for that down at the Final Four this week, so we'll talk to him about that. We'll also preview tonight's title game, San Diego State and UConn, for the national championship. By the way, that will determine who wins our bracket contest. I don't remember who it is that has UConn. If UConn wins, well, I, you won't be able to tell by their name. I just don't remember. No. i got to go back okay. through and figure out who it is. Uh, Ryan Chell... Oh. would be the winner if San Diego State wins tonight. So very much a lot still to be determined in our bracket contest based on tonight's game. I'm going to guess that UConn wins. It seems that way. Seeing as how seems. they have pounded everyone, everyone that they have played in this tournament, it has been a blowout. But other than that, uh, all all good. Total Total chance for San Diego State. And, of course, Lamont Butler authored you know a pretty eternal moment no matter what happens with san diego state tonight there have been very few true buzzer beaters in final four history so we'll look forward to uh, catching up with uh, pat scary talking about all of that nathan ruiz will join us in just a couple of minutes from the baltimore sun we'll talk some orioles with him after they lost two out of three in boston and obviously the thing that happened on saturday but far from the only problem this weekend obviously the pitching in general and the bullpen and sort of a reminder that they're they're in a little bit of hurt without dylan tate and without michael Givens to start the year and they need those guys back badly so we'll talk to nathan ruiz about all that jeremy khan joins us later on in the program as he always does on monday 
But we begin with an update to the Lamar meter. It's brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. As I mentioned, this crazy person, Stan the Fan, whatever the hell he was thinking. I think he might. Did we drug test? Uh, I know no, we do that no, we every didn't. every day where <laughs> I have to come in with a, a you know, I hand you my urine every morning and you I don't know what you do with it exactly. Yeah, I, I never yeah, I never really got to the bottom of that. I it's do not test it. Kind of strange. Did you have Stan do that on Friday? No, I didn't. Yeah. He bumped it up to 78%. Um and I get it. Look, there was nothing really that came out this weekend. I'll be honest, like hanging around at Block, I talked to a few of the guys and just sort of got some of their thoughts on everything. I was talking to Jacoby Myers a little bit. Nothing that jumps out at me that would significantly change. There was no no news over the course of the weekend. I did say that baseball season starting would be good for us because we would be slightly less obsessed on a day-to-day basis. And you would think that no news would be good news, right? You would say, hey, no news means you're a bit closer. But I'll keep coming back to the same thing that I said, and we talked about this yesterday when Rita and I were on 105.7 The Fan. You guys that want to convince yourself that this ends easily and simply. There's never a market for Lamar Jackson. He sticks his tail between his legs, comes crawling back, accepts whatever offer the Ravens still have on the table at that point. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's how it works. Considering how deep we are into this thing, for me to assume that, I'll continue to say I, I can't do it. I can't assume that this is just going to end that way. Now, are the Ravens prepared to do something to make Lamar Jackson feel more whole in the process? Does Lamar say, look, I'll I'll come back and I'll I don't want to sit out the year. I don't want to give up $32 million, but I ain't showing up to the week of the first game at the earliest in attempt to get them to add more to even a one year contract that he would play under? I know one of the stories that percolated this weekend was that Darius Slay says that he was, and I don't know if I can recreate his hand gestures, this close, this close, this close, this whatever it was. Darius Slay says he was in talks with the Ravens, and he says he was very close to signing as a Raven, which is interesting because Darius Slay was a fairly big-ticket item this offseason. Even into his 30s, Darius Slay, I believe, got $14 million per for three years. I don't remember how much of that was guaranteed. For the Ravens to have been in on Darius Slay, they couldn't have assumed that Darius Slay was only going to cost them $2 million bucks, even for them to, to talk to him. They would have had to have been prepared to spend real money on Darius Slay. Now, they didn't go as far as the Eagles are willing to go, and that's probably because they're still hampered by everything they've done to make sure they can bring Lamar Jackson back. Jacoby Myers told me that he talked to the Ravens. Makes sense. The Ravens have a desperate need at wide receiver. He didn't want to go too far down the road. He just wanted to kind of say, hey, look, Vegas was perfect for me. I've been with Josh McDaniels in New England. He's my guy. I kind of trust him. That was the spot that I wanted to be. So I didn't get too much out of him about, was there an offer on the table? How much would it have been for? Like, I... Would you have even considered it not knowing? He just kept kind of going back to, look, I, Vegas was the spot for me. Fine. Understandable. I don't know how that exchange rate works for a 26-year-old in Vegas. $33 bucks does doesn't go quite as far there. 
goes, it'll go far enough. And I don't know how any of that affects, like, the, I, the Ravens needed a second cornerback no matter what. No matter what. We'll see if they can still work out with Marcus Peters to bring him back. They needed a second outside cornerback. They would, frankly, like to have three. Maybe they still trust Brandon Stevens as one of those three, and so they really only need one more. Because they would like to be able to move Marlon Humphrey inside when circumstances dictate, because he's very good at that. All this is to say there was nothing overwhelming. I don't think that Darius Slay unveiling that the Ravens were in on him changes much of anything about Lamar Jackson thing. The Ravens still have done absolutely nothing in this offseason. They have been kind of slaves to, we have to have Lamar Jackson back. So this is merely a kind of course correction for me. That's all this is. You're going to negate what Stan did? Yeah, I'm going to bring it back a little okay. bit. 72. 72%, 72 is where I am. Still 72%. higher than your last. It's still higher than my last one, and that reflects the, you know, every day that goes by where another day without there being updates. But I do still think we have to be fair about this still has to have a, some sort of conclusion. There has to be something that happens, whatever it is, one way or another. And I still don't know what that path is. I still have not had that path presented to me for how this ends with Lamar Jackson being happy to play quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens this season. And then he might not be happy. He might just not have another choice. That might ultimately be how it ends, is that there's no other option. But Lamar meter moves to 72%. Lamar meter brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. All right, let's spend a couple of minutes before Nathan Ruiz joins us. We will talk about the other story of the weekend, which was, of course, the first weekend for the birds. Today's show is also brought to you by Guilford Hall Brewery. Tonight is the night for the title game. We were just talking about it. San Diego State and UConn play for college basketball's national championship in Guilford Hall Brewery. In Station North is the place to be for the title game. The game will air on Guilford Hall's 22-foot screen with food and drink specials during the game, including all-you-can-drink beer for just $25. If you haven't been to Guilford Hall Brewery yet, this is a great chance for you to check it out. See you at Guilford Hall tonight for the college basketball title game. Obviously, quite a disappointing way for the last two days to go. Everything from the ninth inning Saturday on, really disappointing. And if we're being honest... The disappointment began before the ninth inning because the Orioles were up 7-1 on Saturday, and it all went away in a hurry. Um, I, I bring up the bullpen. The bullpen is clearly a concern. It was asked of me this weekend, could D.L. Hall have helped? I don't know. I don't know. There's two different conversations there, right? There's the first conversation of where should D.L. Hall be. The Orioles decided to send him back down to stretch him out further and to continue working him as a starter. That's their decision. It's an interesting one, given that they appear to have, for the first time, a fair amount of depth when it comes to starting pitching. I know you might be kind of giggling about that, considering how it went for the first three days. And their need more noticeably at the beginning of the year is in the bullpen. But I also get it. He missed a lot of the spring. 
he only made a couple appearances. I don't know that you would be comfortable with D.L. Hall anywhere at the major league level right now. I don't know that I could say D.L. Hall would have made the difference over the first couple of days of the season. The reality is it's not the end of the world to lose two out of three on the road in Boston. It's It, it wasn't a disastrous weekend. But it was just... You can, so sit in here, be it, Stan, you can sit in here and talk to us. It's fine. Stan's here. He's having some you can sit in and talk with us. I apologize. I, I get I I'm not good at this any longer. I'm not good at the doing two things at once. That I, I used to be really good at this. I, I used still to think be absolutely good. every now and me. then you impress every me. now and then I'm still capable of it, but I am not as good as I once was about doing two things at once. Um I don't think the L Hall necessarily would have made the difference in the weekend, and I don't think that it's the end of the world that they lost two out of three in Boston. I will say and I think Nathan Ruiz is about to join us, wrote about it. Like, the reality is, that game on Saturday could end up being very significant. I mean, we, we can't hide from that. Any game that you lose this year when you're a team that's expected to kind of be on the margins for the season, any one game could end up mattering significantly in this process. So it might very well be that we get to the end of the year, the Orioles are a game back going into the final week, and we're all sitting there saying, Oh, my God, if Ryan McKenna had just caught that ball. Like, it's totally possible. Now, to put the entire season on Ryan McKenna is unfair. On April 2nd. Correct. <laughs> Drastically unfair. Or April 1st. But that's the, rea- the reality is we don't think it's likely that the Orioles are going to be so good that any single game might not matter. And we don't think that they're going to be so bad that any single game might not matter. We think they're going to be in the margins where it it's, it's going to be Ryan McKenna this time. In three weeks, it might be... Vicino Perez. So, yeah, correct. Yeah. Or someone who was supposed to put a bunt down in a certain situation that couldn't just couldn't get a stupid bunt down, or someone that got picked off, or some other toot blan getting thrown out on the base pass like a nincompoop. Th- that type of thing can happen at any point during the course of the year. This one is the first one that occurs during the course of the season, and it's a little bit trickier because... There's not as much good built up with Ryan McKenna. There's not as much. A lot of people would say, really, why was Ryan McKenna on the team to begin with? Why couldn't you have brought somebody with you that could have helped a little bit more from an offensive perspective? If Ryan McKenna is only here to be a defensive player, clearly this is even worse. It's frustrating. There's no getting around it. There's not enough goodwill built up with Ryan McKenna for us to say, okay, hey, man, he gets this one. It's going to happen. Other guys are going to make mistakes during the course of the year. This one stands out for a bunch of reasons, not the least of which is how little Ryan McKenna has to offer right now as a Major League Baseball player. Now, to be fair, he also made a hell of a catch. Like, we can't (laughs) ignore that. Like... Give a take of the way in that point. Like, he did make a damn good catch as well. But you're not, you're going to forget about that one by next week. Very, by that, by quickly. next week, you will have forgotten about well, that. Well, I forgot about it, uh, you know, about two hours later. Uh, hundred so. Well, no, you, you didn't think about it the same way. You still remember it. By next week, you have totally forgotten about it. It will be a little bit longer before we forget about Ryan McKenna just dropping a pop up, just flat out dropping a pop up, which you do not see every day. Certainly not in those circumstances. Is it Ryan McKenna's fault that you couldn't just get the next out and go win the game? Not at all. You got every opportunity. Just go strike out, Duvall, game's over. 
We never think about Ryan McKenna dropping a pop-up ever again. But it's tough because there's just not a lot that Ryan McKenna does that makes you say, that justifies why it is that you can live with the fact that he made this one mistake. Yesterday, it was frustrating for the Orioles to bounce back, hit those two home runs, and get themselves right back in the game only for it to dissipate seconds later. I mean, seconds later. Cole Irvin, not impressive, obviously. Yes, Dan. You think this would be a good time for the Orioles to extend Ryan McKenna? You think this is the yeah, moment like they announced they bought out his arbitration deal, year? Like $61 well, well, million. Well, Glenn got very excited that he thought McKenna was no longer on the no, team. No, no, no. So everybody misread what I was doing. I was just trying to make the joke. Okay. I was, okay. There was a joke that I was making that's an internet trope, and I was trying to make a joke about what happened. Right. I did get got in the process, but it wasn't because I was rooting for Ryan McKenna to get sent down. I didn't want him to be sent. I didn't think even there was a world where he was going to get sent down. I just wanted to react with that internet trope. I, thought, I, I honestly thought he might have been starting in left field the next day. Oh, just, some sort of statement from yeah, Brandon Hyde, like yeah. we still trust the guy, we still believe yeah. in the guy, we want to have him right back out there. There's something to be said for that. But managers do that all the time, and it wouldn't have bothered me. It bothers me much more. We talk about the need for shut like shutdown innings. We almost... We almost side-eye the term in baseball. But my God, would that have been a spot for a shutdown inning yesterday. Like, for it to make a statement and to say something. Again, I don't want to put these... I don't want to give too much importance to these games just because they're the first... They just also happen to be the only sample size that we have at the moment. They're the only games that have been played, so we can only react to the games that we have. It would have been really nice for that to have occurred. Boston is a difficult place. The weather stunk. It definitely seemed the outfield defense is. It wasn't just Ryan McKenna going back to Thursday. The outfield defense was wretched. Yeah, I mean uh, wretched in this series. They weren't doing enough fly ball practice in, in Florida, I guess. And just well, I don't think you can replicate in Florida what the conditions were like in Boston on yeah. on Thursday in particular. And it was still cold throughout the course of the weekend. It was an unpleasant time for pitchers. I had some friends that were up at the game that were like, "Dude, it was not fun," and the pitchers clearly were impacted by that a little bit, but. <sighs> just a just a gross kind of weekend and one that you hope doesn't end up mattering at some point but you just never know for a team that's likely to live in the margins as the season goes on we'll talk about it more here in one minute with nathan ruiz <sighs> anything stan did you have uh, anything that jumped out at you from this weekend real quick uh, aside from the power outage in my neighborhood yes that's that's why stan is head here. one of 24 families that are on this one specific did a, did a grid. tree? A tree. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have a generator. Mm-hmm. Ten, 10 o'clock last night, the generator. Are you off. serious? Yeah. yeah. Yikes. It's Yikes. pitch black. I had to hunt and scour for candles. Jane was already sleeping, but I knew when she had, had to get oh, up. Oh, yeah. Had to be 100%. Some light she would have freaked out. Understandably yeah. so. My word. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully by the time... And we get to this point, or we get to later in the day, that'll all be taken care of. Hopefully I, that's I'm the case. Very opti- I'm v- not very optimistic it'll be taken care of today. That's a nightmare. That is a nightmare, my friend. Well, I, I'm sorry you're going through that. That is yeah. no fun. I, I did. I did not. I was not aware of how crazy the uh, the winds and the storms were while I was gone this weekend. I got home, and my children's trampoline was in my neighbor's yard, which was, which was my children's trampoline was, was legitimately, and I don't. 
Where I live, we don't really have neighbors. Well, don't they That's now, a hell of a way. Don't your neighbors now own it? I, I mean, believe that is possession, possession is nine, is nine tenths, tenths of law. law. That is a great point. It is now their children's trampoline, yeah. I believe. And we can uh, steal it back one night. Well, we got it. I went ahead and went over. I like my neighbor. I actually played lacrosse at Navy a few years ago. He's a really good guy named Jay. And uh, I, I didn't even get a text from him. I got nothing. I'm just looking around like, what the hell is going on around here? My grill cover, I believe, was on his front porch. Like, I don't I could know. use another grill cover. Yeah, correct. Uh, so I went over and retrieved things when I got back home this weekend after some crazy, crazy wind in the Baltimore area. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Joining us now after uh, the Orioles weekend in Boston, he covers the birds for the Baltimore Sun. He's our friend Nathan Ruiz, and he's back with us here on GCR. Nathan, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nathan, you wrote something that really jumped off the page at me, man, which is like, I, I don't want to overreact to anything that happened this weekend. It's it's a three-game sample size in a 162-game season, right? Like, it, it can't matter all that much. But it was kind of a reminder of a team that's living in the margins from game to game and living in the margins all season long. And any one of these things could end up being the difference in how we go back and reflect and look about the Orioles at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this isn't a team that's going to go, you know, 105-57 and run away with a division title. At least it's not built to do that. They designed a team that um, if it made the postseason, it would be likely as a wild card team. It would be a team that would be fighting for its, its playoff folks all season long. And in that sense, you know, each game it plays is going to matter. And so it's if we look back at the end of the season and this team misses, you know, the playoffs by a game or two, I, I don't think it would necessarily be fair to point back to the two games they lost in Boston and say, well, those are the two games. Right. They're going to lose a lot more games. They're going to win a lot more games. But each game matters. If th- this team needs to capitalize on every opportunity it has, it's not necessarily one that, it, it, like I said, is going to be able to, to run away with anything. Each win is going to matter. We saw it last season. You know, this was a team that surprisingly finished three games out of a playoff spot finishing three games behind a team that they lost to, you know, in the first three games of the season. That's why by the Tampa Bay Rays to open the season, and then both those teams won 83 games the rest of the way. So each game is going to matter in the end. It's not going to be fair to, to point to a specific game and say, well, that's the one that cost them if, if anything happens, you know, and, and at the end of the season, you know, they might make the postseason, and the, this, you know, series lost open the year might just be a footnote. And so it's just to say, you know, hey, this team needs to win every game it can. Um, that's their goal. They want to win every game in front of them, and, um, when they don't do that, then it's, it's going to hurt those playoff chances. There will, of course, always be still overreaction and second-guessing because this is all we have to work with. These are the only three games that have been played. And uniquely, even more so than yesterday, what happened on Saturday will likely stand out for some time because, you know, a routine play is made and the game is over. The overreaction is, well, why was Ryan McKenna on this team to begin with? He doesn't offer you anything. you got Taron Vavra, who you could have play in the outfield. And, you know, all. what is the point of this? Is that unfair to be second-guessing Ryan McKenna's spot on the team because of one mistake? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, at least what I saw went Ryan McKenna's way this weekend was really unfair. I mean, he's, uh, he's on this team to make those type of plays. I understand people's frustration because 
obviously it's a play that you very clearly could say cost in the game. If, if Adam Duvall doesn't hit a home run two pitches later, then maybe we forget about it a little bit. That's something else to think about here. But, you know, Ryan McKenna is going to get a lot more opportunities on this team. Um, he is kind of that, you know, that fifth outfielder, that defensive replacement, that pinch runner. We saw him handle that role really well. We saw him handle playing left field at Fenway Park really well in five innings earlier. He makes a diving catch out and left behind Mike Bauman. And so uh, he, he's going to continue to get opportunities. It's really unfortunate what happened. Um, you know, as, as Brandon Hyde put it, you know, no one felt worse about it in the Orioles clubhouse than Ryan McKenna did. And so uh, it's just one of those things that happens in baseball. We saw it happen, you know, just last season when the Orioles were on the other side of it. Adam Angle of the Chicago White Sox dropped a foul ball in, in, in foul territory and a fly ball in foul territory. And Kyle Sowers ends up hitting a game tying home run in a game the Orioles win. So mm-hmm. these kind of things happen to Major League Baseball players. It's unfortunate. You know, they're on a really big stage. Ryan McKenna's from, you know, the New England area, has the family there apparently. So just a really tough situation for him. I understand people's frustration, but at the same time, like he has value to this team. I'm not sure necessarily who you would have put on the team over him in terms of that role. Like you could have made an argument for you look at the Springs that Josh Lester, Francis Cordero, Ryan O'Hearn had, but in terms of defensive profile, they're not necessarily the same type of player. They were guys who were more competing with Kyle Stowers to be that left-handed corner bat. Uh, you know, yeah, like I said, Ryan McKenna is going to continue to get opportunities on the team. It's really unfortunate what happened Saturday, uh, but he'll move past it. The Orioles move past it. And I'm sure the next time they have a lead in the late innings, Ryan McKenna will be out in the outfield. Well, and as I, I, you know, I, 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 look, I completely understand everything that you just said, and I, I, I think you're 100% right about it. I guess what I would say uh, only in response would be that this, this type of thing, I, you you wonder if it carries over at all for someone who's not going to get as many opportunities to make impact. You know, Griffin asked an interesting question, which was like, w- would you be surprised that maybe Brandon Hyde didn't go out of his way to try to get Ryan McKenna back out into the game yesterday in order to wipe the taste out of his mouth? Like, is there any potential carryover effect for someone who isn't playing every day that doesn't have the opportunity to just go out and get three hits and feel good about himself immediately? No, I mean, I think it's a good sign, honestly, that Brandon Hyde didn't put Ryan McKenna in the lineup yesterday. He put the lineup out there that he thought gave him the best chance to win the game, which I know some people have their issues with game to game, basically every yeah. game when it comes to Brandon Hyde's lineup. But it, yeah. this wasn't something where he went out there and said, well, I need to make Ryan McKenna feel good. Let's make sure he's in today's lineup in a right-on-right matchup that isn't advantageous to us. He went out and said, this is the lineup that's best for me. Now, if the Orioles had been leaping late in that game, Ryan McKenna would have been out in left field. He's, he's going to get that opportunity. If they're leading tonight in the ninth inning, eighth, ninth inning, he's going to be out in left field, I'm sure, or right field, however they decide to set the defensive alignment. But he's going to continue to get opportunities. Um, obviously, there, you do worry, I guess, until he gets that next opportunity. He is just sitting on the last thing he did on the field was, was what happened Saturday's ninth inning. Um, but he's a Major League Baseball player. He's, he's indulged. He's played baseball for a long time. I'm sure there have been other pop flies that Ryan McKenna has dropped. None of them have been to that magnitude, yep. but he'll move past it. I think that these guys are, are, you know, they're tough mentally. They obviously go through things over the course of a season, but he'll move past it. I have to imagine that the next fly ball hit to him will be caught, <laughs> and it'll be nonchalant, and he won't make a big deal. It won't it. be eventful in any way. We'll, we'll barely even notice it. Nathan, I'm probably was... jinxing him right there. Yeah, That's right, probably, right, probably shouldn't right. be saying we're that. Gonna, we're gonna, we'll see what happens. This is going to turn into like a TikTok the next time he drops a pop. Up, and you will be the curse of it. Nathan Ruiz is with us here on GCR. Nathan, one of the other questions that was asked of me, given the struggles of the bullpen this week, and obviously the big storyline is they're without Michael Gibbons, they're without Dylan Tate, and that's significant. There's no getting around it. 
But the other thing that was brought up, you know, by a couple people is could it have helped to have had DL Hall available to you? Or, you know, I, I don't I don't think that Grayson Rodriguez would ever have been out of the bullpen, but if you had been piggybacking with Grayson Rodriguez, could you have had another arm, a Tyler Wells perhaps available to you at this point? Is there any reason to second-guess those decisions, given how thin the Orioles' bullpen appears to be to start the season? Well, I think it was, you know, to your point about the injuries with Givens and Tate, it was always going to be a little thin to start the year. Now, you could make the argument of, oh, well, if Deal Hall or Grayson, like Grayson Rodriguez would have been in the rotation, so I guess right. the argument would have been if Grayson is the fifth starter and Tyler Wells is then in the bullpen. Um, you. you you can make any machinations, but it's not like the guys who, I mean, Logan Gillespie was one of the last guys to make this team. And he was like the eighth inning guy basically in this weekend series. And he was asked, you know, with, without Givens, without Tate, without Tate, with Brian Baker struggling a little bit, Logan Gillespie really became that eighth inning guy um, really quickly, really unexpectedly. And so I think that, um, you know, that he probably would have been one of the guys who didn't make it. And so this team kind of, the messaging has been really since the winter meetings in December, they are not going to, you know, juke the 2023 team's playoff odds. They're going to do what they believe is best for each player in this organization. For Deal Hall, that's having him start the year in AAA, get stretched out as a starter, and go from there. For Grayson Rodriguez, they determined that that was getting more time in AAA. And you saw in his first outing for Norfolk on Friday that he was not sharp. He did not get past the fourth inning again. He walked four guys, really uncharacteristic. They want to get him right. The best thing for the 2023 Orioles in the Orioles' viewpoint is to have Dale Hall continue to be a starter, is to have Grayson Rodriguez get back to himself at AAA. Um, and, and they believe in Tyler Wells. Like, Tyler Wells wasn't dominant in spring training, but he, he pitched well. And, and Mike Bauman, they liked what he showed as a reliever after moving into that type of role. Mm-hmm. They obviously like what they've seen out of Logan Glassie with him making the team and now, like I said, basically being a setup guy. So th- there's a lot of second-guessing that can happen, but this team is trying to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of it without necessarily – altering the career paths of some of its young pitchers that's obviously clear that that's their plan and i and i don't know you know how do you measure those things for them to say hey we got to think about not just now but the future as well completely understand it's why somebody would else would probably step in and say well maybe you should assign one more guy at that point then there is no correct answer to any of this it's all merely fodder for what it is that I do, Nathan, and that's the reason why we do this. I will say I think the uh, race between Adley Rutschman and Adam Frazier to be AL MVP really is shaping up to be electric all season long. Yeah, two guys who had really good weekends. Obviously, Adley was more of a top half, bottom half type right. of situation. Really great start, <laughs> right. really quiet ending. <laughs> um, but, no, yeah, I mean, to watch what he did opening day and kind of just make an early statement about, like, yeah, this guy is this guy's really good, and he, he's going to mean a lot to this team for a long time, hopefully. And so um, to see him do that and really kind of just nonchalantly, you know, first swing of the year is a home run, just four opposite-way singles, you know, and then obviously quieted a bit as the weekend went on, but obviously a really impressive opening day for him. And then Adam Frazier was really just hitting the ball over the park, hitting the ball hard, obviously not really known a ton for his power and gets a home run in his first series as an Oriole, has, has three doubles. And so I think that, you know, he's a guy who – it's going to be under some pressure this season, I think, you know, when the Orioles have this kind of core of, of infield talent. And obviously, he's in maybe a different situation than a Jorge Mateo or Ramon Arias as a guy who's getting, um, you know, a free agent salary, a guy who hits left-handed, a guy who's a little more veteran, a little more experienced. But when you have Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, and Connor Norby coming, and, and yep. you know, Westberg and, Ortiz, or Westberg and Norby both hitting really well uh, for Norfolk over the weekend. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how, how he kind of handles that, how the other two infielders all handle that, but... 
obviously the start you want to see if you're Adam Frazier in the Orioles. No question about it. And then hopefully, if you know, worst case scenario, maybe he turns himself into a valuable chip for this team if some of those guys are starting to get ready uh, by the time we get to the summer. Nathan Ruiz, before I let you go, just the impact of the weather this weekend for those of us that weren't up there, like, I, you know, as far as the pitching struggling as much as it did, how much of that do you think was just about how brutal the conditions were in Boston? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you saw it on both sides. Like, obviously, it, it, I think it came up quite a bit, maybe more than it directly affected things. Like, do you want to look at the outfield situations? Do you want to look at this or that? Like, both teams had to deal with it, you know. And so it was cold. It was rainy. Um, I don't think it was necessarily comfortable for anyone after spending a month and a half in Florida, but uh, it's something that both teams had to deal with. Uh, you kind of see that in the end results, the final scores of all games. The Orioles scored 23 runs and, and win one game. Um, but, yeah, both teams had to put up with it. And I, I think, you know, obviously their next series is in a very hot tech, Texas DFW area where they're, they're playing a dome ballpark. So uh, that won't be a factor. And maybe we'll get a better idea, a more clear picture uh, of this Orioles pitching staff. They're not going to allow nine runs per game for the rest of the season, just like they weren't going to steal five bases per game per game for the rest of the season. So you, you I think that. maybe we'll get a clear picture by the end of this week. I'm still not sure that Ricky Henderson's single-season record isn't going down at some point this year. I'm not certain of it. At Nathan S. Ruiz on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, the Baltimore Sun, baltimoresun.com to see all of his stuff. Nathan, really appreciate you hopping on with us for a minute this morning, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Nathan Ruiz, Baltimore Sun, with us here on GCR. After the Orioles do indeed lose two out of three in Boston to open up the season, their series in Arlington gets underway tonight at 8 o'clock with Kyle Bradish on the mound against John Gray. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five second-chance bets at PointsBet. When you deposit and bet your first $50, just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. We're going to switch gears, talk a little college basketball when we come back in. Pat Scary is going to join us. He was named Skip Prosser Man of the Year which is a very significant honor. Plus, we'll talk a little about the title game tonight. All that on the way. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more. We do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Look, I warned you last week that once we got to the end of last week, I couldn't no longer guarantee that your orders from Birdland Sports would definitely make it in time for opening day. It's still possible. I have seen how quickly... Josh Soroka. By the way, we need to pick uh, last week's winner. I don't think oh, you ever said that. I, I think I do have a winner. All right. I didn't want to disturb your uh, vacation. All well and good. <laughs> all well and good. Um, Josh has turned things around really quickly, so it's totally possible that if you get your order in today, right now, he'll still get it to you by Thursday morning. It's really still possible, but I can't guarantee it any longer. So still have incredible gear, awesome shirts, uh, you see the 2023 World Series champ shirts. I'm definitely going to be wearing my Birds Are Coming shirt on Thursday in the uh, style of Omar from The Wire. That's going to happen. It's all available at birdlandsports.com. Again, birdlandsports.com is the website. So many cool designs. I know uh, players have been loving these shirts. I've been wearing them all spring long. It's you, if you haven't at least looked to check it out and see if there's something that you would love at BirdlandSports.com, go wander over there today for Birds fans, by Birds fans. Prices much more affordable than the big guys, but you lose none of the quality of the shirts, and yet you get so many cooler and more fun designs than the big guys offer you. Again, BirdlandSports.com is the website. Get your order in. Uh, from This isn't bad from Joe. Joe says, uh, Glenn Ryan McKenna has the opportunity to not be remembered in the same... Joe, Ryan McKenna will never be remembered in the same way as Lee Evans or Billy Cundiff. That happened in the AFC Championship game. This happened in the second game of the year. I get it. I understand. It's recency bias. It's all of it. They do say that. It goes Game 7 World Series. Right, correct. Game 2 of the year. Those are the two ones that we just think about all the time. Um, I understand we're very frustrated. I had uh, my friend Mike Filippelli, who's worked everywhere in this market, um, including CBM and the Bay and places like that over the years, Mike Filippelli screaming at me on Saturday night, Two hands! You learned that in Little League. Two hands to catch them. I get it. I get it, Mike. I get it. I understand. It's very frustrating. We're not happy about it. It's a bad taste in our mouth. If the Orioles had turned around and won yesterday, we would have probably not not cared nearly as much today. If they win tonight, we'll probably move on with our lives and not think about it a whole lot more from there. It's just what we have. That's the way that it goes. All right. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit this morning. This man uh, received a very significant honor last week, and you know how highly we think of him and the program that he has built over at Towson University, the consistency on the floor, but also 
doing the right thing away from the floor and being a valuable part of this community. He's taken time to help us out with our charity endeavors over the years, and you know uh, how committed he has been to trying to benefit those that are battling autism and trying to make the world a better place for those that have autism. All of those efforts went noticed, and he was named the Skip Prosser Man of the Year in college basketball last week. He is Towson basketball coach Pat Scary, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on a major honor. I, I appreciate you having me on, my friend. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm pretty sure I'm not worthy of, of that, but I do appreciate they recognize that we've been trying to uh, – you know, help with the with the awareness efforts, and hopefully, it's something we can continue to make better. But it's always good to talk some ball with you, my friend. Right, it's always great to catch with you, catch up with you, Coach. Um, can you put that what you just said? I, you know, Skip Prosser is such a revered figure in this sport, and of course, everybody knows Skip Prosser. Once upon a time, was right here at Loyola years ago. Um, to to receive this recognition, like what goes through? I I know that you would like to be talking about your third straight trip to the NCAA tournament, right? Like, I know that would be the conversation you'd like to be having at the moment. But to receive that type of honor and for people to be aware of what it is that you and your program are all about at Towson, can you put that into words? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm appreciative of it and, 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 and humbled by it. I, I, I think that our um, – well, not think, I know that our, our university, our, our athletic department, and, and certainly our men's basketball program, um, you know, we, we do preach uh, inclusivity. Um, you know, our guys in our department uh, perform a lot of community service hours. It's something that has been a big institutional priority that, you know, our current athletic director, Steve Agambrada, has pushed, as did our last athletic director, Tim Leonard. So I'm, I'm proud that our, our guys have, have, have done their part. Um, you know, we've we've run our awareness game on a, on a national level, and that, that's taken a uh, you know, I'm getting some credit for it, but the, the credit really belongs to you know, the NABC and, and the Women's Basketball Coach Association that has helped push push it out as as Autism Speaks. Um, the coach in me appreciates College Insider recognizing that, but also the coach in me is like, how do we make this thing better? Because uh, that's kind of what you try to do as a, <laughs> as a coach, try to improve mm-hmm. improve things. So that that's really the next step. Um, you know, and, and uh, we've got some work to do in that area, but I do appreciate them helping with it. Hopefully, it's something that we can we can use to improve improve the game. How how much how do you make it? I don't even know how you can do that, Coach. Like, how, how yeah, do you... well, you know, honestly, what we what we really need, um, and 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 there are some, you know, rock star coaches that are I think are, are really good guys. What we need to figure out how to get like. Um, you know, he's a good friend, Ed Cooley at Georgetown, or Coach Willard. Uh, you know, a couple. Get, we need to get a uh, early season, you know, non-conference doubleheader. Mm, um, mm. Obviously, Towson would love to be a part of that, but that's not that's not the be-all, end-all. We just need to, we need to get something off the ground where we could get some sponsorships, some TV behind it, and try to copy a little bit the coaches versus versus cancer. You know, um, uh, that would be the next step. Um, and yeah, I need help with that. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be the guy to make the difference, but I'm willing to put it out there. And I do happen to know 
there's a nice brand new building right here in Baltimore that maybe would be a yeah, pretty that good, would be unbelievable. Pretty that good host for something know? like that, right? It's, yep, yep. And, and look, it's like I said, there there are some. You know, it's not easy for guys at that level to give up uh, home games. Yep. And I totally get that. Um, but if we can get some television behind it, then, you know, uh, I think it's it, it's it's possible. To, some of these guys are really good guys, and, and they might be willing to do that. Well, let's make it happen. I'm, I don't know what I can do to help, Coach, but you have my support. Well, I appreciate it. It'd be great ha- for the having cause. Having me on and getting that out there is, is helpful. You it, know what I mean? It'd, it'd be great for the cause, obviously. I think it'd be great for local college basketball to have something like that. I think it would be an incredible day um, to support the college basketball. Well, we've heard region. some rumblings that they wanted, you know, the, the new ownership down there. Um, we went down for the kickoff event, um, you know, my AD, Steve, and I, and, and uh, really good people, and then sound like they wanted to try to get some some college basketball stuff in there, which obviously we would love to play. You know, we love playing in those neutral neutral games. So um, it sounds like some of that's possible. Maybe we could figure out how to tie this tie this in. Um, it, it just it just you, you just got to try to I think connect the right people and see how to kind of push it forward. You know, I love the sounds of it. We got to rewrite some of the history you've had in that building too, Coach. We got. to – we gotta go back. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We gotta go back and do that somehow, some way. Pat Scary is with us here on GCR, the 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 man of the year, the Skip Prosser man of the year from College Insider, chatting with us this morning. Um, Coach, just to to kind of button up, you know, we talked a couple times during the course of the season. Is it difficult? For everything that you've been able to accomplish, for the way that you have turned this program around, I try to remind, I got a I got a, a producer right now who's a Towson alum, and he can't fathom, he has no ability to really understand just how bad it was when you got here. The amount of pride that I know you have in what you guys have done as a program, how frustrating is it Like to have Jason get hurt this year and to be so close and to have this great game against one of the best teams in the country in Charleston and for it not go your way, I, I know it, it's got to be difficult because you know internally how much good there's been and how much good you've done, but you also know there are still so many people who says who say, yeah, but when are you going to get to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, but that's what you, that's what you sign up for. I, I would like more of those people to get behind our, our program, you know, uh, if you throw out COVID, I'm aware of seven of the last 10 years, we've been top three in our conference and we've finally been able to win the regular season title. And and I I get what we're judged by. My challenge to those people that care about Towson in this new age of recruiting, what are we doing to support our student athletes? You know, like, let's, let's go, let's get behind that. Um, There's opportunities and avenues to do that now so that when we bring in, talented student athletes that represent our university the right way that we're, we're supporting them. You know, that, that, that's the, that's the next step for us. Um, I've got a very high speed, intelligent athletic director that's making some good changes in here and that, that needed. So hopefully we're going to be able to do that. Um, you know, ultimately it's, uh, it, you know, we, we've, we've got to win the conference tournament. That's what the goal is. That's what drives us every day. Um, but I also believe that it's important that we're in a position. You can't just – you can't have a lousy, non-competitive program and hope to play well for three days. I don't think anyone wants that either. No. You know, no. Um, so, you know, what we've been able to sustain through, well, you know, 
half dozen presidents and four ADs and, you know, um, to, to, to be a competitive team. And now is a great time as any for us to really, you know, get involved with, with Towson athletics and Towson men's basketball and try to push this thing forward. Um, I, I know you referenced that sort of new era of recruiting and obviously NIL is at the center of that and the opportunity for, you know, local businesses, folks like that to step up to try to help out athletes. On the flip side of that, Nicholas Timberlake was such an incredible part of what you guys have done for the last few years and was, was such an important piece. How, like, is it difficult for you to say, hey, I've got to, I've got to be willing to step back and say, I understand. Uh, like, how, how do you now handle, obviously you'd like to, who wouldn't want to have Nick Timberlake back on a team for another year next year? But knowing, like, he wants to be able to do some things, like, how, how do you kind of handle all of the aspects of being appreciative wanting to have guys stick around for four or five years right now, but knowing, like, you know, there are things that you can do at other levels that, that guys might want to go experience. Well, no, no, we're a thousand percent. Uh, Nick's my guy, and we're certainly appreciative of him. Um, you know, first, we got unbelievable news that Charles Thompson's coming back. And if wow. you really study that is unbelievable. analytics, wow. yeah, if you, study, if you study analytics like we do, you'd know that he is the – most valuable guy we had as far as affecting winning on both sides of the ball. So that was a big thing for us. Um, we, we never planned on Nick coming back. Um, he did a great job for us. He's been here five years. He's already graduated a year ago. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as him, whether he, he decides to play at another school and, and uh, you know, if that has something that we don't, that's great. If he decides to play professionally, uh, that that's, that's great as well. Um, what I would say is that we've got eight guys that we plan on bringing back that were in the program and starting with Charles, who's, you know, now he's been a two time, all league player, a three time, all defensive player. It really symbolizes what you'd want a Towson student athlete to be like, he'd be a great guy to get behind it and, and, and support. Oh, I, there, there's no question. I mean, he's a monster. I mean, I, I apologize, Coach. I had missed that news yesterday. That is incredibly significant, and I think it goes a long way to, I, I'm sure, as you're out, like this in this new world of recruiting where you're out, you know, there are transfers in the portal, there are guys you're talking about. I am sure that there are a lot of people that say, oh, if Charles is sticking around, man, I like there's there's a real opportunity to do something there. Let's go. Well, we certainly hope so. We expect big jumps from, you know, uh, Conway and, 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 and Hicks and, and May and, yeah. and you know, Bieku and, and uh, we, we Chase Parr is planning on coming back. People forget that he was hurt most of the year and we're slowly, surely getting there. So, um, you know, you touched on it earlier and I, and I forgot I did not to avoid it. Yeah, there's always a piece here with, with, with the injury that, you know, Jason and could have, would have, should have, and, and that's unfortunate because, you know, he was such a good quarterback and an all-league player. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm incredibly proud of our group because they showed up every night um, and just didn't lay down, and we won 21 games. But certainly we lost a lot of one or two possession games where, yeah, there's a piece of that when you sit there at night trying to figure out how to get your team better than wish you had your, your quarterback. But unfortunately, injuries are... Injuries are, are, are part of the game, you know. 
No question. That's the way it goes. I get it. And you can't make excuses. You brought up Christian Maze. Dude, I don't know what it is. So I bring my kids out for a lot of games, Coach. And I yep. I feel like every game that we I was at with that. the kids this season, the, the Monmouth game, the Charleston game, I saw a guy just sticking threes. And I'm like, man, he is right on the cusp of being a real difference maker, like a guy that can truly get things done and, and, and maybe grow into a, a consistent 10 double-digit type of scoring guy moving forward. Well, he needs to, and, and for us to be where we expect to be next year. Um, comes from a great family. He, he has maybe as many tools in the toolbox as anyone we've had. Um, and, you know, I've shown him some stuff on, like like Nick Timberlake, and, you know, he's ahead of where he was at that stage, and now he's got to continue to have that type of drive and, and, and focus uh, daily. And we're off to a good start with that. Um, like it. But he's he's yeah he's ta- he's talented and and if we're gonna be good he's gonna be good for us. All right, who's gonna win this game tonight, Coach? Well, I've been going actually with believe it or not I picked UConn to be in the national title game. Uh, now it was against Arizona, so that's not hmm. so, that wasn't so good. You came but, uh, you came five games I, short of that, but other than that, yeah, yeah, I was only off by five. That's pretty good for me. I I, I think Connecticut wins, but in a harder game than people realize San Diego State is very, very good. I think UConn's got to get out and transition, but they've also got to be prepared to kind of run through the mud. Um, San Diego State's good. They got men. Tells you how good Charleston was, because really Charleston could have, should have beat them. Yeah. You know? And um, But uh, it's going to be a better game than people realize. I think the difference will be UConn, uh, two things, Jackson, and then the big kid clinging off off the bench. Uh, how has this kind of happened with UConn? Like, what have you noticed has been – they're not just winning, they're suffocating. They're dominating. And I know they were really good all season long, and Snago's unbelievable, but what have they done that much better in this tournament that teams haven't even really been all that competitive against them? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting how they, they play great early and then they've played great late. They struggled. They came in fourth place. Think about that during the regular season, fourth in their league. That's the beauty of playing at that level, right? You know, you can, you can falter and then have time to kind of reset. Uh, I, I think right now is one, uh, they're so efficient on offense. They're not just relying on ball screening, the pace of their cuts, uh, their, their movement. Uh, and, and then they've, they've got great, depth you know and they, they come at you in a lot of different a lot of different ways uh you know it, it's the way they're playing right now it's going to take a pretty close to a supreme effort for anyone to to, to get past them you know um uh it's certainly possible because right the not the, the best team very rarely wins the whole thing that's the beauty of the tournament you know can, can i i'll wrap up with this coach because it's something that's come up a lot it, mm-hmm. do, do you reference the way that basketball has changed in this new sort of era of recruiting. I, I've heard from a lot of people, hey, expect more years like this. Expect the tournament to be way more like this. You're not going to have the same dominant teams from the start of the season to the end of the season. You're not going to have two- to three-year dominant teams. There's going to be a lot more of teams that just happen to get it all together for a couple of weeks at the end of the year and more tournaments where there might not be number one seeds in the Final Four and there might be – you know, pure craziness the way that we saw this year. Do you think that's where we're headed in the future with the NCAA tournament, given the transfer portal, given, you know, all of those things? 
I don't, I don't know. I think you're still dealing a little bit with the COVID year and people having an extra year and all yeah. that good stuff. Um, you know, I, I think you, you know, the, the Florida Atlantic story is unbelievably amazing. Uh, not, not enough has been said on that. Um, but you know, I, I, you're certainly leery of, you know, teams and programs like Miami. I mean, look at, they've got, they've got really good players and those players are there because of NIL. So, you know, you could make an argument that you can go out and, put a pretty good team together if, if you're committed in that area. Uh, that's a very good point, and it worked out quite well for them as they got to the Final Four. Pat Scary, Skip Prosser, Man of the Year. Next time I just happen to bump into Kevin Willard somewhere, I'm putting a word in. We're making, we got to make this happen, and I want it badly now that you've you've spoken it into existence. So now I want to see it uh, occur. Well, he's a great coach, and do, he's doing a great job down there. And if we could um, find a way to get them to help behind something like that, that certainly would be would be outstanding. I, that would be amazing for the entire community and would obviously be amazing for what you're doing with Autism Speaks. Uh, Coach, congratulations. Well-deserved. Uh, always appreciate taking the time for us. Great to catch up this morning, and we'll look forward to doing it again as we get closer to next season, all right? Take care, my friend. Pat Scary, Towson basketball coach, Skip Prosser, Man of the Year, uh, which is a significant honor and well-deserved. And obviously I know – um, everybody related to Towson would like to see CA title and that drought end and getting back to the NCAA tournament. But that is big news, getting Charles Thompson back. I thought it was sort of a fait accompli that, you know, the, I mean, the, the three of them were all back together for this year, Gibson, Timberlake, and Thompson, and then they would all kind of go their own way, obviously, you know, different scenarios in there but to get charles thompson back is definitely big that's a big I mean, deal man like that is huge i mean he was already arguably one of the best big men in the entire league no and question now, and now he'll be able to you know get better yes um that's a that, i mean it's just massive there's no way around it that is a massive um cam Hol- it's unfair for me not to include cam holden in that group that i'm talking about right cam holden couldn't come back so that was never going to be an option for him, for them to get Charles Thompson, especially with Nick Timberlake gone, to say, nope, I want to stick around. I want to see this thing through. It does. I, I think, if anything, it, it limits how far low your, how low your floor can be, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's only so low that your floor can be with Charles Thompson. Now you add a couple more pieces, transfer to – Christian May's got another year and, under his belt. I said that when yeah. we were talking. Like, when I was out, for whatever reason, it seemed like every game I went to this season – like Christian May was specifically inspired yeah. by my presence <laughs> and was just knocking down threes. And I'm like, yo, this dude, he can do this. And then I would the, watch other games the, and be like, where is Christian May? The Nick Timberlake comparison is, is interesting because he, he does remind you a lot of Nick Timberlake. Yeah, there's a lot of that there. I agree with gets that. Gets up there and hits threes and plays defense. Like it's. <laughs> I, I am. I, I certainly think that UConn's going to win this game tonight. And I, yeah. I think they're yeah. going to. I think they're going to win it somewhat comfortably. I just. They're. They have been so dominant throughout this tournament. Now, the one thing I'll point out is they had to play the second game on Saturday. There is historically at least a bit of an advantage for playing in the first game. This isn't like the lacrosse Final Four where the sport is so unbelievably physical that there's more of a toll that's taken by playing in that you know, second, game. second game. 
Uh, of course, remember last year, Maryland had to wait out the weather delay on top of everything else on Saturday, so they had a very short turnaround, and you could see they were the best team by far in the country, and yet late in that championship game, they were struggling. This is basketball. This is not lacrosse. You're not getting beat on for 60 minutes. But I do still think that that could, if there is a path to San Diego State, you know, having a chance to be competitive with UConn tonight, it would have to involve UConn being a little bit more sluggish from having played in the second game. They are also benefiting from the fact that it's a late tip tonight that gives them a little bit more time. I keep forgetting it's a 9.20 tip oh my for the national So it won't start until 9.45. It's, no, the tip is at 9.20. Well, that's tip. what they say. No, no, not the, – like, uh, the, they start the pregame at 9. Okay. So tip is supposed to be 9.20. Now, right, right. I get it. Like, if any of that stuff runs late, then it's going to be 9.23 or whatever. That's unbelievable. I got I got questions about why you're playing the women's championship game at 3:30. I don't know what the hell that was, and it's not because it impacted Reed and I yesterday. It's because the Orioles would, were still playing. You would think, well, whatever it is, you would just think that you would want that Sunday night, yeah, because there was television audience for your national championship game. Like you would think, well, if you're or even Re- WrestleMania was on, no. but that's you know that's for is I don't really I don't know how yeah. much of crossover there is yeah. between the WrestleMania crowd and the. You know, women's championship game crowd. I still think the ratings will prove to be through the roof. And the ratings for Friday night were unbelievable for the semifinals. Mm-hmm. But I was very confused by why they would go to 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. It used to be that they played it because that was the first big Sunday night ESPN baseball game of the year. So they would play the game at like 6, leading into an 8 o'clock baseball game. But this game wasn't even on ESPN. It was on ABC. There was no yeah. reason why it couldn't have been on on Sunday night. I think the uh, executives have kind of missed the boat. They're late to get on board with how popular the women's basketball I, sport to, to, is to, now. To wit, this season in particular, I don't know that they understood what they were dealing with. You know, it, the one thing is I don't recall it ever being on the on the, the main stage. On you ABC. Know, on yeah. like ABC or NBC. So they, they caught up to it on one part. But I found that as like a real burial ground spot. It didn't made no sense at all. I, I thought it was nuts. And again, to your point, this season uniquely, and I, it's part of what I cover in the column today, this is looking like it might prove to be a transcendent moment in the history of women's basketball. Yeah. Griffin and I talked about it, Stan. As you were watching the tournament, you probably saw the same thing. NIL exists now in college sports, and yet no men's players were getting commercials. Right. None of them. Right. But you know who was? Aaliyah Boston was getting national commercials with Under Armour. Like, the women's players were getting a lot of attention. Don Staley was, was, obviously was in the, was a huge, the Dave yep, commercial. Was a huge commercial, yep. Yeah. Um, so, Don Staley did the, the Mike Krzyzewski commercial she with did that. Uh, Affleck. Wasn't she in? I thought that was Tamika Catchings that did the She was commercial. also, I think she was also was she in, Yeah, she was okay, like. Okay, all right. Don Staley was, was the one where the basketball falls into her cup of coffee. Oh, I, that, so Tamika Catchings was the Steels one, yes. right? That was right. the Steels one, okay. But, the, but the I other thought one. that was Don Staley was okay. having the so, cup yeah. of coffee yeah. in the Steels one. Um, there was a moment that was unfolding in this year's women's tournament, and then this game on Friday night, Ironically, neither one of those teams ends up winning the national championship between Iowa and South Carolina. But now, both Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark are back next year. Two absolute superstars, two now kind of pop culture figures, are going to be back next season. And 
every game they play is going to be kind of must-watch throughout the course of next year. There is a moment that is occurring, and if Paige Buchers is healthy for UConn, she goes right back into that conversation. You know, we've kind of been stolen. Paige Buchers was a star of stars, and the injuries kind of derailed that. There is a moment that occurs. So the 330 thing stunk. It stunk to high heavens because Friday night, you could feel it. It was electric. And to build off of that with a Sunday night primetime national championship game, oh, would have been so. Now, look, you could tell if you were on social media yesterday, everybody was watching that game. Everyone was watching. They had the attention of the country. Two bona fide superstars playing in that game. Big storylines. It, it, it was amazing. Everything about it was amazing. Um, 920, I know this is the way that's always been with the men's championship game. They've always tipped it off late. They want to try to get the most of every time zone that they possibly can, but you lose the the young folks on in the East Coast with a 920 tip on a Monday night. There's well, no way of The young folks that. or the... Or, and the old, you lose, they, no, or, you lose kids. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. lose, you yeah. know, the older folks that say that's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I'm never going to be staying up for a, a 9:20 tip off in a national championship game. Didn't Monday Night Football used to tip off at nine o'clock or kick oh, off yeah. at nine o'clock? Yeah. yeah, it was insane. Yeah, for years. I know the national, like the the, the football national championship, felt I mean, like it, it always started at nine. Yeah, I mean yeah. it. T- it kicked off at nine o'clock for about 15 18 right. years right I mean, when yeah. it was on abc monday night football was a nine for years oh was a nine gosh. o'clock for years when i was a kid Jeez. i didn't get to watch monday night football when i was a child the golden era of monday night football that everybody refers to i never got to watch any of it because the games were kicking off at nine o'clock and my my father did not care like <laughs> it was not it did not matter to him whatsoever <laughs> That it was Monday Night Football and everybody was going to be talking about it. I could watch the highlights on SportsCenter the next morning before school. That was the way it was going to go for me. All right, when we come back in, some big news um, this morning in the world of combat sports that we will talk about. Ironically, I bring up that WrestleMania was this weekend. It involves the WWE, which is quite, quite weird. But we'll get into that. Uh, Some other things I want to get to. Today's show uh, also is brought to you. You know what? It's brought to you by Stan the Fan, but what I got to tell you is TBA. TBA for Stan this week. If you can get out and fix his power, then that might change Stan's schedule around a little bit. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. TBA for Stan the Fan this week. Thursday, do you have something planned? Uh, definitely have a show Thursday. Okay. Do not have the guest. All yet. right. I promise. I it's going to be get, brilliant. By the, by the way, I tried. Yeah. Oh, actually, there is no Thursday show. I'm sorry. Wednesday, oh, it's Wednesday, right. yeah, Wednesday is Passover. I was going to move it to Wednesday, mm-hmm. but Passover is Wednesday, first night of Passover. Thursday, it's too too risky with being oh, at the 100%. Oriole game. Open so, I get it. So we'll yeah. take this off and on Thursday, and we'll see if we get one in tonight. Luke and I are doing something at 245 today. With my power rankings. Okay, very good. And then you had Jeff Zerebek on Thursday, yep. past Thursday, too. Obviously, so. if you missed that show, you can check it out. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. PressBoxOnline.com slash video. I sat in for some guy this past Friday. Oh, really? You didn't even yeah. hear me at the beginning of the show today. Yes, I, was, I heard you. Oh, you heard me? Of course okay. I heard you. I was trying to get you to come I in passed, and defend yourself. I, I sat in for, for a guy who was telling me all along how much money Lamar was going to make. Uh. You know, how his, his value kept going up. Is that what I was saying? Yeah, you were saying that for about the last six months. 
Well, no, I was, topic I was would, saying every time the topic would well, come up, you no, kept telling me I was saying it couldn't go values. No, I was saying it couldn't up. go down. That it was the, the well, it has gone position. down. Well, well, no, the the Ravens offer is still the offer, right? Like it hasn't gone down. There just haven't been other offers. And to the to the point, I, goes, I'm not so sure the Ravens are offering that anymore. Um, at this point, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't. Mean, no one. Knows. I don't believe. I don't believe they're going to do that to themselves. They've they've hurt themselves enough in this process to then try to. To play further ball be with like, Lamar Jackson on top of Oh, you ready to be, accept it? Well, actually. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, my God, you haven't been able to improve your football team. You have sold your soul to getting this done with Lamar Jackson to then say, well, maybe we really have him in a place and can really double him over. Man, uh, I that is really hard to believe and, and almost would go to pure recklessness mm-hmm. at that point. Like It's the part that nobody wants to – I said this yesterday. Every time somebody wants to say, well, the Ravens have handled this brilliantly. Have you seen their wide receiver room? Have you seen what they haven't been able to they, do? They don't have a quarterback right now. You, you, can, you can say everything you want to say about how they maybe read the idea that there wouldn't be other offers on the table or that they could manipulate this by saying, hey, don't bother to make an offer because we're just going to match it anyway. You can give them whatever credit you want to give them. At the end of the day, their football team is worse than it was at the end of the year last year. It's a worse football team than what they had because they have been so dug in on this thing that they haven't been able to do anything else to improve their football team. If you think that's brilliant, I I guess if you're really into negotiating and that's just sort of what gets your rocks off, like I can understand why you think that's brilliant. But for, like, trying to win football games, I ain't going to go with brilliant. That ain't going to be the way that I'm going to describe it because they are not a good enough football team even if Lamar Jackson is happy to come back and play for them. They've done that to themselves in the course of this process. That's the reality of the circumstance. All right, we'll come back in. we got more to talk about. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. 
If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. Again, tonight's the night. Guilford Hall Brewery for the title game. You're going to want to be there. San Diego State and UConn battle it out for the championship. Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North will have the game on its 22-foot screen with food and drink specials during the game, including all-you-can-drink beer for just $25. If you haven't been to Guilford Hall Brewery yet, this is a great chance to check it out tonight. See you at Guilford Hall for the college basketball title game. Looking forward to that. All right, now, a couple of things that I want to get into, and then Jeremy Kahn's going to join us in a bit. Some huge news, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more during Fighting Words on Thursday this morning. It has been announced, and it, it was reported over the weekend, kind of became very clear that this was happening. Uh, the WWE and the UFC are merging together. And there's a lot of logic behind this. Th- these two companies over the years have kind of winked at each other. They're The people that run these two companies are very similar. They are garbage humans that are egomaniacs and unrepentant and have done wretched, awful things and have faced no consequences for those things that they've done. Um, so it makes all the sense in the world that they would be people that would want to partner up together. They are products that do have a fair amount of crossover um, between. They are you know, One is supposed to be legitimate sports competition, although you know they've shown over the years that they are not always sticklers for that. The other, obviously, is not a legitimate sports competition. And there's some danger in that. But this new company, this is a big, a, a huge story in the world of business that WWE and UFC will be merging together for a new company under the umbrella of Endeavor. In the world of sports, what the impact will be, I'm not sure, but it doesn't feel great. No, it doesn't. It it's feels like it. it's a way to continue to push UFC towards carnival barking, crossover, marketing, things along those lines where they'll have wrestlers show up at these events that maybe you let some WWE star that thinks they're a fighter. Once upon a time, they were willing to do this for CM Punk, and it's the most embarrassing thing in UFC history. I've, I'll never, it has, I've said it a million times. It changed my interest in the UFC because it was the first time I said, there's nothing legitimate about this. This is not real. This is... What am, what am I investing myself in? There's, this is not a real competition. And I don't think that's good for the sports side of this. The, the competition. Like martial arts and yes. Yeah. The business side of it makes all the sense in the world. Cross promotion, right? Like you, At a UFC pay-per-view... They'll be promoting the next WWE event. At a WWE event, they'll be promoting the next UFC fight. It makes all the sense in the world from a business standpoint for those two companies to work together. Logic from a business standpoint. From, from a, you know, if you're a WWE fan, I, I don't really know what it matters to you, right? right? Like, I don't know how much anything is going to change if you're a pro wrestling fan. But there is one entity in here that is supposed to be a legitimate sports entity, 
and having them walk the walk with scripted television, I, I think it uh, invites for more people to be skeptical of what it is that they're seeing. We already question decisions that are made by the UFC about who's getting title shots, who's getting what fight, who's getting what spot on a card, because they're willing to be carnival barkers too, because they're willing to, you know, play up social media, things along those lines. I, I think that this invites more questions about legitimacy of certain decisions. I don't think this suddenly means that the fights aren't legitimate. Right, yeah. I don't I, think I it suddenly that. means that this, the fights are going to be scripted or something like that. I, don't, I won't choose to believe that. But I will say that the decisions that UFC has already made over the years, it, it won't surprise me if there are fans or guys, people that would otherwise be fans, that would say to themselves, this isn't feels fake. WWE? Yep. Yeah. This like feels the, WWE to right. me. And now to be working hand-in-hand hand with them, I think it's only going to invite more of that moving forward. And it, Do you care at all as a UFC fan? I know. You I mean, I, I, I wasn't really sure kind of what to make of it. I was kind of just wanted to wait to see, like, what else was going to happen. I think, I mean, I think on the surface, at least uh, initially, I feel like it's not going to have a huge impact. I guess, I mean, uh, like, the promotion part of it. Oh, like, I was, like, completely expecting Dana White to show up at the end of WrestleMania last, last night. night. Like, yeah. I was totally prepared for them to go all in on that. Now, yeah. it, it would be smart for Dana White to avoid that, to say, it, I'm not going to be a part of that. I mean, I've already been, like, over the kind of the last, I guess, few months, like, the UFC has just done so many kind of Yes, kind of question, yeah, like kind of mm -hmm. questionable things. Like in November, there was a, a a rigged fight. Kind of one of the one of the coaches of the play of, of the player of the fighter. Uh, the odds like shifted like right before the fight started, and the guy got smoked in a minute. He was coaching the loser. I don't know anything about this. This was in November. Yeah, it was okay. kind of James Krause was the name of the coach, okay. and so like and essentially he maybe he I had like a Discord, yeah, yeah. Like a Discord, yeah. and he told people like, yeah, my guy Derek Minner, he's. He's got a hurt shoulder. He's gonna get knocked out in a minute, and he did. Okay. And so the odds like like tanked. And, yeah, tanked, yeah. and 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 uh, and then he and then obviously lost. Um, and then and then it kind of comes and then coming on the heels of you know this 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 is we're talking about billions and billions of dollars, and it's gonna you know it you would think I guess it's gonna help the UFC. It's a twenty one point four billion dollar valued organization now with these two companies together. And this is coming on the heels of them not re-signing Francis Ngannou. Like, like how, like how do they continue to? They, they, they're, they're partnering now with the WWE and because an this illegitimate is, this organization. This is who Dana White is. Like, like this is, yeah. this is who he is. You don't have the greatest heavyweight in the world at the moment, and and it's, it, it, it is, it's a very kind of questionable. I think I'm still gonna watch. I mean, for I guess at least the next couple months, because I, I do enjoy watching the fights and I enjoy mar mixed martial arts. Uh, but it, it's it's tough because when you're calling yourself the premier mixed martial artist, mixed martial arts uh, organization of the world. Uh, a sport that is, you know, kind of all about honor, and and you know, you you you're trying to get a guy to yield to you I, to to win, and and like, and this is this is now you're partnering with the WWE. I and, understand, and you don't have the greatest fighter I, in the world. I opinion, understand why why you would be, you know, sort of feeling hinky about mm -hmm. it. Again, it, for the next, what is the next? I don't even know what the next fight is. What's the uh, next, next fight? fight? Is Izzy? Oh, that's, that's the next fight. Okay. Is that this, this weekend? This oh, weekend. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one. Obviously, yes. I don't think this impacts anything about that fight. I, right. I don't I don't be believe that. But future decisions that are made as a company where the line is drawn between legitimate competition as far as matchmaking is concerned versus yeah. or fight making versus hey, this would be 
this would be better WWE-style booking. Maybe if we make this fight, this guy is sort of like this WWE wrestler, and this guy is sort of like this WWE wrestler, so we can do cross-promotion between those two things. Like, you're the Roman Reigns, and you're the Cody Rhodes of the UFC. I absolutely could see that type of stuff happening more and more frequently moving forward. And as a sports fan, as a fight fan, I don't care for it. Mm -hmm. I think it's... I think that's bad. From a business standpoint, I get it. I, it makes all the sense in the world. I would think that the shareholders of both companies would say to themselves, yeah, this is this is probably a smart thing to do um, as far as business is concerned. But from a sports standpoint, I don't I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to... The UFC fighters that are the best on the microphone and, and oh, get the and most eyes on them, it's going to work out well for them. It, it's, you it's would weird absolutely because Colby Covington... Think, you would think that someone like Colby Covington would be in a position mm-hmm. to say, hey, in between fights, I want to go over and do something he's, over there. He's a tough comparison, too, though, because he is a really, really good fighter. Like, I, he is I one get of it. the top in the world. I and I it. think he's deserving of the next title shot for, for what it's worth. Um, but, you know, I, it, it does make it interesting because if there is a guy that speaks just as well as Colby Covington, but, you know, maybe isn't very good, he get he, he lucked into a knockout or two, and then mm-hmm. they're like, all right, well, let's give this guy a total shot because everybody well, in the world does It seemed like there's already been a fair amount of that over the years. Um, but, I would I, again, I would go back to I absolutely could see the two companies trying to work together and WWE saying, hey, we need to sell five, you know a couple thousand more tickets. Why don't you let them, yeah, you Roman know, Reigns and whoever it is, you know, we, we can that, that John Jones-Brock Lesnar mega fight that people talked about for a long time. Well, we can't do it in UFC any longer because Brock Lesnar will never go through the, you know, He's never going to stop using steroids again in his life. That day will never come. So we can just do it over here instead. Yeah. And it it sounds like Tyson Fury's gone over and done WWE stuff, and everybody knows like it's a different thing. But the more you blur the lines, the more you're inviting people to be skeptical of what it is that UFC is. Right. Like, and who, maybe it will be only beneficial to the UFC fighters. It, it allows them to make more money if John Jones but, is but it's not. I mean, but it's not legitimate competition either, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're doing it with the same... Once The idea of what Francis Nagano is doing, where he's going to go box, is that I can't find legitimate competition. Maybe there's a, a comparison to be made to where Lamar Jackson is, where he's like, I can't find an offer somewhere else because you guys aren't allowing me to find an offer because of what you did to your cap that announced to everyone, don't bother to put an offer out there. We're just going to match it anyway. You, you, you're you sacrificing your football team. And so every other team is looking there like, I, dude, we're not going to waste our time with you. The UFC has, I know that, uh, what's the what's the other company that uh, uh, oh uh, like PFL or no or, no no the other the one, one that runs in Showtime oh uh, Bellator Bellator yes I know Bellator is is not nothing yeah you know Showtime's a legitimate place to air fights and there are name guys and gals that have fought in Bellator I'm not trying to pretend like it doesn't exist but for the most part it has been monopolized by the UFC so right. there's so very there's so little ability to try to measure what your actual value is. Because there's nowhere to go in order to do that. This doesn't provide that. It doesn't provide to Francis Naganu. well, if you think I'm worth this, I'll go over and find out what Vince McMahon thinks that I'm worth. It's the same company. You're negotiating against yourself. Yeah. Like, that won't work that way. So it doesn't provide that. Does it provide incentive? More. Does it impri- provide a... Hey, you know what? You want two million bucks more? Go over and do this, this WWE thing. We'll give you two, two million bucks more. Maybe, yeah, maybe, and and like if they want to do that, that could be beneficial. It would be more beneficial for there to be an open market. It would be more beneficial for there to be legitimate competition, and for Bellator to be, you know, 
a, a standalone company that you always have to give each fighter exactly what they're worth. The problem is when you monopolize the market, you, you don't have to do that because right. there's nowhere for them to go to the point where Francis Nagano is going to go attempt to box and m- might be fine. Yeah, might. I mean, we, as a we boxer, don't really know. like we might don't really be know. okay, just... but clearly cannot be as valuable as a boxer as he is as a fighter mm-hmm. because he doesn't do that. <laughs> That's the way that it did goes. start as a boxer, so who knows? I mean, who knows? He, he's, he's an incredible not, athlete, but yeah. I'm not doubting any of yes, those things. Yeah. To I, think I, I, that I, I you can just saying. so quickly go over and be a Francis Nagano level boxer, yeah, uh, it's, it's that's, when that's he's at the height of his MMA career, right? Yes, like. that's that is uh, that is a reach. I cannot join you there or believe that that is possible. I simply do not. Um, all right, Jeremy Khan's going to join us here in just a minute. It is a Monday edition of the program. In fact, let's squeeze in our third break before we talk to Jeremy. Today's show is brought to you by one of our newest partners. Really excited to have A.J. Michaels on board. Welcome. Love A.J. Michaels. Obviously a company that so many of you know so well and have worked with over the years. Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. Boy, I had to flip on the A.C. in the car the other day. I mean, like, it was nice. New rebates and discounts are available more at AJMichaels.com. Jeremy Kahn checks in with us next. It's a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adelaide, Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn. Over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? 
PressBoxOnline.com slash offers has all of the best offers, incentives for signing up for sports betting in the state of Maryland. Baseball season is here. It's the first time ever that you can bet from your phone in Maryland when it comes to baseball season. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. My uh, Monday column is up at PressBoxOnline.com today, and it is about Angel Reese, and it's about why I'm trying not to fall on the trap of just talking about what happened at the end of the game yesterday and nothing else. I, I think there is plenty of room for reasonable people to have different opinions about, you know, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark from the end of yesterday's game, um, as long as those opinions are reasonable. I think a lot of people are not using reason in their debate about it. But I think more than anything, it's irrelevant. It, we're, we're wasting our time talking about something that doesn't matter, either because we don't know enough about women's basketball to talk about the game, talk about the players involved, or because... We're particularly sensitive about the topic. We are, for some of us, admittedly, there are a lot of people that don't want to address their own racism as they discuss the topic. Whatever it is, whatever the reasoning is, all people want to talk about is what happened for a few minutes at the end of a basketball game, a few seconds at the end of a basketball game, instead of, you know, a player had 34 double-doubles this season. One of the most historic seasons in the history of college basketball a player that has risen up from growing up in the shadow of her mother here in Baltimore, led St. Francis to three IAAM titles. Yes, it's a little bit bitter for some Maryland fans who can't help but wonder, like, could that have been us if Angel Reese had stuck around for one more season, which would have been really nice. It would have. That would have been so great if there could have just been one more season with Angel Reese at the University of Maryland. But that, that should be the conversation today. And it's just easy for us to fall into the trap of only discussing a couple seconds at the end of the basketball game that no matter what your opinion is, whether you think Angel Reese went too far, crossed the line, whatever, it's just not that big of a deal. Nobody got hurt. We're all going to survive. If a coach wants to say today, hey, I hope you don't act like that when you win a game, God bless. If that's what you want to do as a parent is say to your kids, hey, I would prefer that you don't act that way, totally fine. But it is not worthy of all of the attention that it has gotten and how it's overshadowed what was an amazing tournament, what was an amazing season, what was an amazing performance from six games, six double-doubles in the NCAA tournament. Incredible. Remarkable. So my column is about that today at PressBoxOnline.com. If you want to go take a look at it, I'd appreciate it. It's Monday, and speaking of PressBoxOnline.com, this man posts his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. He is our friend Jeremy Kahn from the Big Bad Morning Show, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Jeremy, what's going on, brother? How are you? What's up, man? How's it going? I'm all right. How was your weekend? It was good. I think 4-1 uh, and one of my top plays on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So overall, you know, a nice weekend. It's always pleasant. Um, and then one of my favorite plays in tonight's college basketball game so, uh, of the year. Ooh, so looking forward to it. Favorite yeah. plays of the year tonight. You know, I I try every in my power, I try to avoid betting with you so I can't cool you off. So <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't buy into that stuff. 
But if you do call me off tonight, I would be quite angry. But it's okay. All um, right. It gives me someone to blame. But uh, I love the under in tonight's game. I think everybody's misreading this game because of what we've seen from UConn. You've got two of the best defenses, two top ten defenses in the country, depending on which metrics you're looking That's at. That's a great point. Um, yeah, I, I just I love this spot for the under because people get that thicker shock of, oh, it was just 149, and now it's 130. It was 131, and I liked it. Now it's 132 and a half, and I still love it. I mean, I love it even more. All right. But uh, I, think this, I think this is one of those 60 to 50 type games um, in that range. So we'll see. There's also, of course, the, um, the, the factor of these teams having played two, day, two days ago. You know, all of these things sort of go into it. I, like the, I actually like that call. I think I might join you there. Yeah. Um, look, I, I don't have a whole lot more to say. about. I, I, I wish there were more storylines going into tonight's game. There really aren't that many um, for just a fan perspective. It's the national championship game. Someone's going to win a title. It'll be a first-time head coach winning a title. It was an insane tournament. I, I'm, I think it is a very unlikely scenario for San Diego State to beat UConn. I just think this is a UConn team that has kind of proven they were the team that ended up playing their best basketball exactly when they needed to play their best basketball, and they have been suffocating during this NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that gets left out of this. As I was pointing out to the guys, until the last couple of shots that was hit um, on Saturday night, I mean, if, if it had held up, Connecticut would have beaten every single team they played by 15 points right. or more. I mean, it's just a, it's a dominating performance uh, that we've seen from them. And on top of it, like, I, I was calling them Alabama light, which I think is very fair to them. But, but when, you, when you look at them, the, one of the problems is that they, they can beat you in a slow-paced game and they can beat you in an up-tempo game if it gets to that. So I just think that they're 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 just very difficult to try to beat in a game like this. I, I that's where I am. I, I think they are that much better, and you know it's a it's an incredible story. And that that program continues to be. It's amazing how they've now transcended this over multiple coaches, right? Like it's amazing yeah. how post Jim Calhoun. They were still able to win one with Kevin Ollie, and now for them to find another coach and to look like like that. This could end up being a program that wins four more over the course of the next decade. Yeah, well, as Rob pointed out, he brought it up on our show, which I never even thought about because it's, you know, we always look at dynasties as teams that win consecutively and put this together and, mm-hmm. or have this crazy run over a period of time of like five, you know, five years or something. But what UConn's done in the past, I mean, what would you say, 30 years? I, and no other team has done that, yep. including all these blue bloods. I mean, yep. they've been multiple championships, won them, won multiple Big East, made runs to Final Fours. I, I mean, I, I would have no issue calling them, you know, a dynasty, if you will, at the college basketball uh, and how we look at college hoops in general. How do you handle, Jeremy, uh, like getting – not try not to get too worked up about – it's the first, you know, three baseball games of a 162-game season, but yet, you know, every single one of us was infuriated on Saturday when we watched that unfold. Like, how do you handle the level between – this is the only game we have to watch right now, so I'm going to get worked up about everything I see versus reminding yourself, hey, it's game two, stop, settle down. Yeah, and, you know, it's such a tough thing, too, because, like, we're all fans, and, and I, I have to admit my fandom has changed with with gambling, and I don't even my, my the teams I root for or anything like that, but I just I'm, I get null after and, and just kind of, like, numb, if you will, after a game, win or lose when it happens now when it's the playoffs it's a little bit different but it's so early in the season i don't like if you're if you're the phillies how upset should you be that over the fact that you know you uh, got swept and now you're facing the yankees in a series there's a good chance you came home 
or come home with a terrible record for your home mm-hmm. opener, you know? And, and the Orioles can feel that way too. Like they, they could have easily won all three of those games. They could have definitely won, you know, at least two out of three, especially with what happened with McKenna. But immediately, like just being a guy that's played the sports and, and have played sports and had that moment before where, you know, you've done something that screwed up a game or you've been fortunate enough to not lose it. Like that's the worst feeling. So I just ultimately felt bad for McKenna when it happened where, you know, Rob and the other guys were like, you felt bad for him. He's a professional athlete. He was like, yeah, because if you've ever been in that moment, like how many times does he make that catch? I think Austin Hayes said 999 out of 1,000. Sure. And it just sucks. It's the final out of the game. If it happens in the third inning, we're probably talking about it, but nowhere yeah. near as much as we are right now. We're not. We're definitely. If if there's a if the next if Adam Duvall strikes out a batter later, we're never talking about it. It never exactly. comes up again. It's just a you know anomaly that he'll remember. Of course, he'll be frustrated about it. But none of the rest of us will care if you know it, there's a, a ground ball in the next play and the game's over. Right? Like that's it. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough. And I, I don't know. I feel like there are people that are sort of rolling it over into, you know, they're, they didn't think Ryan McKenna was worthy of being on the team to begin with. And they're rolling it over into other things and forgetting like the dude did make a phenomenal catch in the exact same game on Saturday. Like there's a reason why they want him out there as a defensive player. It just so happens to be that one catch wasn't made. Yeah. And you know, like it's these moments too. And, Obviously, it feels like there was a uh, it's a movie that's been written or something. He drops the ball, he hits a home run, and um, but it ultimately, like when you go back to those games, I mean, there's so many things you can look at in in the game that that cost them. But we focus on the last thing because it's what we remember. But I mean, getting thrown out, running on the bases, um, you know, goofy plays that have happened in the field, maybe not being in the right position. Uh, you know, how about you know day one? You know, we look at Ramon and how great he looked, and day two. Strikes out five times in right. a leadoff position. So, I mean, there's a lot that we could look at from that standpoint of why they lost the game. It's three games. There's a long season ahead. That's the way it goes. Jeremy Kahn is with us here on GCR. Um, Jeremy, I regret not doing this with you last week, um, and I, I had it on my list for you today. I didn't get a chance to talk to you about Bubba, and I never got to know Bubba. Like, I was never anywhere where Bubba would call. Um, I say I didn't get to know him. I do believe I met him once at a Bay Sox game. And, like, it was made aware to me by Phil that, like, that's Bubba. And I was like, oh, wow, how about that? Um, mm-hmm. But can you tell me a little bit about Bubba? He was such a unique part of your guys' show. Yeah, we so Scott and I talked about it quite a bit. He actually called me, um, and, you know, we were discussing, like, you know, just the type of person that Bubba was. Because make no mistake about it, and I love Bubba, but Bubba was a stage five clinger. Um, you know, <laughs> like, he just wanted to be around. He wanted to be accepted. That's what he cared about, like. He didn't even care if he was the butt of the joke. He just wanted to be around you, which, you know, I always like guys like that because I'm, ultimately I end up being the butt of the joke. So anytime I can make somebody else uh, into that, it's great. But um, just a loving guy. Like one of my favorite stories about him, he begged us to come in studio um, to hang out. And then Scott told him, if you bring in food for, you know, our, um, our producer and some of the other people, it'd be fine. He goes, I'll bring him pizza. And Scott was like, that's great. So Bubba shows up. And while he's waiting for us to get to the station, he ate half the pizza. So just, he's that type of guy, man. Just And, and again, fun-loving. And if for people that didn't know him when he called into the show, he's a huge Washington Commanders fan. And he would always call in back then. He would ask if he could sing Hail to the Redskins. And just like Charlie Brown getting the, the football pulled away from him, as soon as he would start singing, Scott would hang up on him. And then Scott even developed this great uh, pause where he would let Bubba think that we was hung up on him. He goes, did you guys hang up on me? And then Scott would go, no, we're here. Start singing. And he would go, hey, I'll click. And he'd just hang up on him. <laughs> and it was just 
so great. Um, and he went along with everything, the broken English from him calling in saying, yeah, I'm not pretty good at things, you know, and, um, the, uh, the one time where he called in and he said, Hey, can you do me a favor? And it's like the creepiest thing I think I've ever heard, but I just, I love the guy, man. He, and the, and the thing is like, sometimes we get things twisted at times when guys want to be involved and like he would send me messages through Facebook. But the sad part about all of this, and I'll wrap it up with this is that, you know, he was in the hospital for three months and then he finally got out. And then obviously, you know, we hear the story that I didn't hear what was the actual cause, but he passed away in his sleep. But uh, mm. what a fun loving guy that, that, again, just loved being a part of the show. Man, uh, I, you know, I appreciate you taking a minute there to talk about it. And like there are, I, you know, it's funny because we've all dealt with the characters. You, of course, dealt with Rick a lot over the years. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, like this is the genius of Howard Stern, right, is how, how he was able to take these unique personalities and make fun of them, but at the same time lift them up and give them a platform and let him be part let them be part of what it is that he did. And no one in this business has ever done it the way that Howard did it, obviously. He would cross the line from time to time and is, is a completely different person. Um yeah. but you never know exactly what the right line is between uh, am I, where where am I making fun of somebody? Where am I giving them that lift? And I thought you guys did that so well. Um, it was one well, of the things that I appreciated so much about your show is that you found that line of, no, we don't need to tell this person to stop calling. We can figure out a ma- way to make this work as part of what we do. Yeah, and it's not, I, I mean, I look, I'll attribute a lot of that to Scott, but it's, it's also both our personalities where, I mean, we're the type of guys that want people to feel involved. And, you know, like everybody's, a, I've always said, even a bad phone call can become a good one if you make it funny. Uh, i.e. almost every single thing that Dave and Salisbury's ever said on the radio. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. there, there's a give and take to it. And I've always been a guy like, make fun of me. Let's have fun. Don't get upset when we're busting chops because it's all in jest. It's all part of the show. Because I tried to, and hopefully Bubba realized this, I tried to show him enough love when he wasn't with us on the air and in the times that we would talk. Right. Um, to Just to let him know that, like, you know, anything we did on the air, it's all for the radio. Yeah. It's playful. It's playful. Jeremy Kahn is yeah. with us here on GCR. Safe home to Bubba. Um, Jeremy, there was a story that uh, got some, I don't know, it, it took some flight with Ravens fans over the weekend. And I don't know where it is with Fair. We talked about it earlier in the show. Darius Slay comes out on his podcast and says, hey, I was this close to being a Raven. And I don't think the Ravens were able to offer him nearly as much as the Eagles ended up paying him. But they clearly weren't spending $1 million. They couldn't have thought they were getting him for $1 million either. And Ravens fans reacted to this story by saying, huh, look at that. Once again, when it comes to a defensive player, somehow the Ravens have money to spend. But yet whenever it's a Raven, a skill position offensive player, somehow there's no money to spend. And, look, the Ravens need a second corner right now. Like, they don't Mar- – Marlon Humphrey's there – Brandon Stevens would be their second corner at the moment, and I don't know how comfortable people would be. So I know that it makes all the sense in the world for them to have been talking to Darius Slay. But I also don't know that Ravens fans don't have a point about how strange it is that the Ravens constantly seem to have room for a Marcus Williams, have room for big-ticket items on one side of the ball in free agency, and so very rarely have ever seemed to have room to consider that or explore that at the wide receiver position. Yeah, and, you know, look, I, maybe I'd have to go back and look at each and every instance. I mean, the one thing we're sitting here talking about Darius Slay, but we've also heard they talked to Odell Beckham multiple times and, yeah. and DeAndre Hopkins about 
the possibility of a trade. So they've looked into that stuff. And everything that's going on right now is right. It's very of unique. Yeah, everything this year is unique. And like, if, I talked about this with Jacoby Myers at the Ed Block event this weekend. Like, why? Why, if you're a wide receiver, would you be coming to Baltimore if you don't know who your quarterback is going to be? Yeah, and and that's and that's another thing. Like, you know, Calais Campbell, where people are like, oh, he'll just hold. You know, he'll wait until the Ravens figure it out, and then he'll come back here, and then he just goes off and signs with Atlanta. But again, like he didn't know what the quarterback situation was going to be here. He didn't know if he was going to get offered the same thing. And what happens if he waits around and he's the one lefting, you know, left, you know, kind of holding the, the short end of the stick and doesn't have a chance to sign with a team that he wanted to go to? So I do think there's there's a lot of things that factor into it. One of the things I will say though about um, you know all this stuff with with the Ravens and Lamar and, and it, look, it does appear that they put more money in the defense, and I think that would probably show up. Um, but also now you look at it like you have to look at what was available in the market. Were you going to go, you know, some of those years where they go out and they spend on defensive players, were you really going to go make a move for the likes of uh, Kenny Galladay and pay him $80 million? I mean, they were in on it. We heard they were talking about it. So, look, I think some of the stuff is fair. I don't know that this one is because, to me, this is more about Lamar's contract not being done because I think if that was done, you know, Darius Slay's probably here as your second corner. And, You've probably made a move for a better wide receiver than Nelson Aguilar, but this is where you're at right now. And I've said this time and time again, when it comes to the Lamar contract, there's only two things that are going to be hurt by this. Lamar in the end, if he has to sign with a team he doesn't want to be with because nobody else is going to sign him. And then lastly, the Ravens, because again, free agency is going to be dried up for the most part, and you're going to be getting the dented cans. Um, all these things are true. I am, I'm in a strange place, though, where like this, this goes into, I referenced this earlier, there are people that want to point out that, like, hey, the way the way it turns out, the way the Ravens have handled this with Lamar, it looks brilliant, right? Like, the offers aren't coming in. They've they've handled this exactly the way they should have been handling it. He's got to come back to them. And my response is, look at their football team. Like, look, mm-hmm. they're they're worse than they were at the end of last season. Even if they get Lamar back out of all of this, I I'm not saying it's their fault, right? Like, they're in a very unique situation. But I don't know that brilliant equates when you've not been able to upgrade your football team in any way this offseason. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my point with it, too, because like, I, I feel like the offers that the Ravens have given are fair. I, I don't know what the disconnect is with Lamar and here, if it had something to do with offensive coordinator, something behind the scenes. But, again, we go back to this whole thing where people are like, stop talking about him having an agent. I, I'm just wondering if the negotiation, uh, if those – you know, politics that go on during it, because again, I'll say it as many times as people listen to it. It feels like Lamar drew a line in the sand. That's what I want. Ravens made an offer, came up from that offer, came up from that offer, and he hadn't budged. And with the latest of him saying, oh, I never said I wanted a fully guaranteed deal. I just want more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson, which it's a lot of freaking money that no other team outside of the Browns have done that. So I, I mean, I think the Ravens offered him an unbelievably fair deal, and now both sides are going to deal with the after effects, and it, it just hurts both of them in the long run. No doubt, no doubt, not does not come out well for anybody. Uh, did you watch any of WrestleMania? Negative, Ghost Rider. Oh, I, yeah. I just, I've grown out of it. And again, if I'm at a party, I did get invited to a party to go watch it, but instead, I just, I said, look, I'd rather watch uh, baseball and and uh, even the women's basketball game. I just don't care about wrestling the way I used to. I understand that. I did like Vince McMahon's mustache. No, so. no, that's creepy. That's creepy as F. There is nothing to like about that whatsoever. Do you it's... think he overheard, like, Matt Dillon and something about Mary? Like, he was, like, eavesdropping in on the phone calls, and they were talking about guys with really thin <laughs> right, mustaches. Right, right. Yeah. 
All right, uh, let me. Uh, I'll give this to you to wrap up with. I want to know how you react. Uh, I when I saw somebody tweet this, I assumed it had to be you, but it actually wasn't. I'm sure that it's either crossed your path, and maybe I just missed you retweet it. Uh, did you see the story about uh, the woman who has a very unique um, set of circumstances uh, downstairs? Yeah, she's from Australia. She has two vaginas. Yes. And one is for porn and one is for a husband. She was actually on the Howard Stern show. Okay. That's where I – and she's not the only woman with this um, – do you call it an affliction? Right. I, I don't know what you – Right. Uh, you know, but there are there are quite a few women that, that have this. But it is very interesting, though, and she says – again, one is for a husband, the other one's for work. I don't know that I'm buying that. So, yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that either. But let me if, – if you met someone – like, you know, go out on a you're a single man, you go out on a date, you get this piece of information. Are you excited or are you I don't know, turned off by it? Uh, I'm not turned off by it, but I, I kind of feel like if like if I showed up on a date and I had two wieners, somebody'd be turned off. Right. That would be um, weird. That would be weird. That was weird for me the first time you and I went out, yes. Because is it is it because I have two or because both of them are right, small? so small? Yes, exactly. That's probably that's, what that it was. That's probably why they were. That is the bigger problem. But, uh, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, I wouldn't like if I met the chick from Total Recall. I think I'd be in heaven. Uh, it wouldn't bother me. She'd have a hard time finding bras, but <laughs> there were three of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a really weird story. I think the first time it's thrown at you, you're probably like, really? Right. And maybe you don't. Maybe I don't know. I've never seen it, so I don't know if you notice it or it's. Um, I'd have to do some more research if she's willing. Okay. Uh, All no, right. Yeah. I, yeah. No, yeah, my yeah. wife's not willing. No. Right. But uh, no, I, I mean, it, you, like, I just don't know. I don't know how different it would be. Uh, I don't know either. I am. I'm not unintrigued. I probably will spend a little. I think for the purposes of show research, um, I'll spend some time maybe perusing more about the subject a little bit later today. I think that's an important <laughs> thing that I should do for the purposes of the show. What's coming up this week on the Big Bad Morning Show? So we're all in. We're at Pickles on Thursday. Um, so we'll be doing the show live from there and, uh, this will be, uh, I think Ed's on vacation next week. So we finally get a week where we're all together. Obviously talking about all the same things you're talking about, the angel Reese stuff with Kate Clark and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, uh, and of course the Orioles and can we get over this hump as they have a pretty big series against the Rangers who look, looked very good. Yep. In their sure, did. sure did. It looks like the money they spent, uh, money well spent so far. At Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 on Twitter is how you follow him. Pressboxonline.com every day for his picks. Appreciate you, brother. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, man. I'll see you. It's Jeremy Kahn with us from the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. Hey, speaking of Jeremy, I had a really special moment. Um, it was an honor for me to be uh, MC along with Wally Williams for the annual Ed Block Courage Awards this year, and they've kind of changed the way they did things a little bit. And they um, do a, a cocktail reception with a program built around that now. And uh, at a really emotional moment as uh, the Ed Block Courage Awards announced on Saturday night that moving forward every year they're going to recognize kids who are in Courage Houses as the Mo Gabba Spirit Award winner moving forward. And we had uh, a moment while in I did with uh, Sanzi, and with uh, one of the initial winners of the Mo Gabba Spirit Award that is going to receive their own Ed Block Courage Award, and that was a really powerful moment for me to be. A, like I, I appreciated them asking me. I didn't realize when they asked me that in part they were asking me because they were doing this and my relationship with Sanzi, and you know that made it all the more 
like when I realized that was what was going on, I was like, oh, God. Um, so that was a really emotional moment for me on a Saturday night. But I had a great time. Um, got a chance to spend a little bit more time. Which Griffin was there on Saturday night. Griffin I made was, an appearance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, got a chance to that's spend what everybody was talking about, I think. Yes, that's what everybody was saying. All around the room, they were like, did you guys know that Griffin Bass was here? Like, this is unbelievable. How did he manage to fit it into his crazy schedule? Exactly. It was nuts. Yeah, I know. I, I pulled uh, a lot of strings. Was, yeah, I said, bring Stan back up if you don't I'm mind. I'm sorry. You're I've good. been friends with his father, Marty Bass, for right, years. Correct. You know, so I you mean, knew this so moment was coming. Yeah, I, I could smell There was, it was a star coming. turn yeah. at some point that yeah. was inevitable. There's this guy, Jake Bass, Jake, who right, tries yeah. to pretend. Yeah, he's all right. You know, he he's tries to right. pretend that Yes, Marty, he's, he's faking it the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Did Jake get married recently? Did I see that? Or maybe engaged? No, he's got engaged. Got engaged. Got engaged. That's what I Jake, saw. Jake, of course, is uh, actually Marty's son. Yes. Engaged and works for Barstool Sports. Does he still oh, work at Barstool? Yeah, I, know, I know he big, was there for a long time. He's moved up quite a bit in New York. I know he was working with Pat McAfee for a little bit, too, uh, oh. when he was there, which was really cool. Um, I actually believe, I, I think you're wrong, Stan. Griffin is actually Kevin Bass's son, which, like, you got to you do the math. You're like, does that? That doesn't make, it, it works out, trust me. It's, uh, he's not the, Griffin's the son what, of Kevin What's the Bass. mayor of Los Angeles? Now? Uh, yeah. She's a, bl- a black Oh, African. God, that's She's right. She's Bass. She's is a Bass. Is it Bass? Okay. She's a Bass. I know. I can't was, remember her first I was, name. I was thinking of Garcetti. Here's the last one. Yes, Karen, Karen Bass. Bass. Yes. Karen Bass. I didn't realize there were so many Basses out there. That's, yeah, right? That's, that's his that's, mother. Yeah, Griffin, Griffin made an appearance. It was cool to see. Spent some more time with uh, Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. who was really great, man. Like, as, as much fun as he was on the show, um, he was the most popular guy in the room. Oh, yeah. He's just such a pop culture figure beyond, you know, football. It's wild because like, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL any longer, and yet by far the most popular guy in the room on Saturday night. Everybody was trying to play cornhole with him. Everybody was trying to get over to chat with him, and he was making time for everybody and um, had nothing but really wonderful things to say about his time there and um, you know, even was like very appreciative of us having him on the show. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. I'm like, bro. <laughs> You know, you're James like, Winston. to see your faces. I'm yeah, like, right? I was like, is it? <laughs> yeah, I, it was wild, man. It, it was a really good dude. But, yeah, he was. Um, everybody put up with my, uh, I did a little monologue to open up the uh, the show on Saturday mm-hmm. night. Unfortunately, the room wasn't really settled. Right, So yeah, was... that was a disappointing part of for me is I don't know if any of them. St- the Brandon Graham one seemed to stick a little bit. Um so I, I did. The, the way that I think we, it was good that you announced uh, the Lamar Jackson extension in the middle of it to yeah, kind of you know big, reel everybody was, in. That was Wally's idea. Was I like, had a different I plan. I, I had a different plan for what I wanted to do. That was Wally's idea, and nobody bought it. <laughs> like nobody. I, I, I mean, I was, so I was there with my sister, and as soon as you said it, I was like, "That's not true." There's no yeah, message. I was, yeah. like, what? I was like, "What? What?" what? I, and like, and, and Wally was so convinced that like we get a huge response to it, and then I was like, "All right, Wally, we'll give it a shot." I mean, it was worth it. I I rewrote the script for Saturday night. Like, literally up until Saturday night, I was reworking on the script. Believe it or not, we didn't have a team of writers to work with. So all the material, like the actual material, was my own, Um, which is not ideal. Like, I'd rather have a a group of writers that could help me with that, but that's not what I had. And then I was away last week, so I didn't have, you know, all the time to spend on it. And then I had a game to do. I had a Loyola game on Saturday afternoon, so I'm literally rewriting the script. As the game, as you're you're calling this game. Right, I'm sitting in the booth. At Loyola, getting ready for the game and still rewriting the script for Saturday night because I wanted there to be also there was a player that we thought was going to be there that ended up not being there on Saturday night. So I had to take out the material that I had for that player and then put in a different player instead. I I was proud of the Brandon Graham one. I thought that one was good. It was um, 
So the way we structured it, we did program, and then we did cocktail reception, and then we did more program afterwards. So we had two different halves of our program. And so I said, Brandon Graham is here tonight. Brandon, I don't know if you heard, but we're doing things a little bit differently this year. We're going to have one half of the program now and one half of the program later. But don't worry. I was given word that unlike the last time out, your teammates are going to show back up for the second half this time. That was good. And it did. That was the one that yes. got the most reaction. I got a lot of boo because apparently there were a ton of Eagles fans. <laughs> there, there were. I know they were. They, they were. were well, they were so excited about Brandon Graham being there. So I got a lot of. So I was proud of that one because it got the most reaction of all of the. I don't care if it's booze. Who cares? That's what you're going for. That was the point of the joke. <laughs> um, so I was proud of that one. That got a good reaction. That I, I think I forced the Travis um, ATN yeah. thing because yeah, that maybe. I, I, had mean, re- I had to replace. Um, the player. Oh, that, the other. Mm. So that was a late rewrite to do something with Travis. So I, the bit that I did with Travis Etienne was, was the the, the, the pronunciation was. So um, I I didn't say his name. I just said the Jaguars winner is here. What a star he's turned out to be over a thousand yards after he missed his first season. And you know his name is spelled E T I E N N E, but I've heard it pronounced a ton of different ways. I've been practicing it all week. I think I've got it figured out. If you're all willing to bear with me, I, I think I can do this. Travis. Boom. Big pop out of me. I enjoyed it. You, I, all right. I did, I, I did. If that's what I got. That was, that was like in the car home. I, I said that, I said to my sister, I was I was like, I like the uh, the, the Travis Etienne one. All right. Well, I appreciate and, that. And she was like, the Travis? Yeah. She, she was, yeah. Well, she no, actually... it's, it's very, like, it's a very specific style of comedy yeah. that you have to be into. It's just misdirection. That's the only play on that is the misdirection of it. Because um, I, yeah, I was like, I was like, it got, it got my friend Brandon Williams, a Poe, of course, who we also honored on Saturday night. Um, and he's, God, he's so good at what he you does. He did Dox the Oreo Bird, too. Well, that wasn't me. That was, blame Brett Dickinson for that one. That had nothing to do with me. Um, but our friend Brandon Williams, who we recognize, you know, he suffered an injury last year, and it was a fun story. Um, he, he gave me a bunch of crap for the ATN one, and he was like, oh, that one. That one was weak. What was the other one I went? Oh, I I did the cheap one with Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yes. I did the, you know, he wasn't. He was thinking he wasn't going to be here. The schedule was crazy. You know why it is that he ended up showing up, Wally? I don't know why is that. The free crabs. How'd you not see that coming? Right. Um, that was the cheap. That was, that was it. Was the easy you one? You had to do it. That was the you yeah. Had that was it. the one you had to do. And then what was the Jacoby? Myers? Oh, I did the Vegas one with Jacoby yeah, Myers. Right. Yes. right. I did the, um, uh, the thirty-three million dollars in Vegas, which I think gets you one pool party and six chicken tenders. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be all he needs. I mean, that might be all he needed, 100%. But we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was great to be a part of it. I really enjoyed uh, being there. I look forward to being a part of it moving forward and, and continue to be appreciative, appreciative of all these players who don't have to do this. And I, I keep saying that. They don't have to do this. It's a busy off season. Like This is not flying somebody into St. Croix. You know what I mean? Like this is. Hey, would you take a weekend to come to Baltimore mm-hmm. for guys that are millionaires? And you got to spend the weekend, you know, signing autographs, taking pictures, and, you know, we expect you to go spend time with kids. And they all, every single player that comes in and spends the day, because yesterday they were at St. Vincent Villa, the Ravens' Courage House, says that's the most meaningful thing. And they go back and they tell next year's winner, do go do it, because that day will impact you. That day is worth it. Like, go do it for that. Um, so these players don't have to come into town, but they do every year, and we had a great group of guys that were out this year. I mean, Travis Etienne's a 
star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Graham is obviously the Brian best Robinson star. was there as well. Brian, which is a great star. I like. I kept thinking of ways to make a Brian Robinson joke. I was yeah. I was flirting with like a Fifty Cent joke, like Brian Robinson's well on his way. Just eight more, and he'll become a platinum rapper or something like that. But then I was like, is that really something that I want to make yeah. a joke about? Like, do I really want to do that? Unless there's something with, like, the hat or... Yeah, know. I mean, like, I thought... Yeah. Of it, like, if we could have gotten the right. giant hat, that would have been fun. I just couldn't figure out exactly... And so I just left it out yeah. entirely of a little monologue that we did. But it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, being a part of it and look forward to doing it again. And thanks to, um, you know, guys like Max Williams and um, uh, uh, Jameis Winston, who came on the show, and then Jacoby Myers called into the radio show yesterday... Uh, he wanted to come on with us last week. The scheduling just didn't work out. But uh, appreciate all those guys that uh, came into town and took the time to be a part of the Ed Block Courage Awards this weekend. It was a really, really neat thing for me to be a part of. All right, so what are we doing? I here? think we'll do a tidbit, I guess, unless there was something else you wanted to, to the, get the to. The thing that you asked me. Is I that did. Tomorrow? Uh, I think we're going to work on that for tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't sound confident about that. Yeah, that's. Are you that, sure that, we that, shouldn't just fair. do it now? Or well, well, the thing is, uh, he so he he has the information. So okay, if, uh, <laughs> if he just calls, then yeah, okay. Awkward, uh, awkward. Uh, quickly, some things that you guys have gotten in about from Ryan. Ryan says, "Glenn, are you not going to address the John Angelus thing just because Stan's here today?" No, not at all. I, I don't know. If Stan, I heard it, John Angelos. I actually heard him because I was traveling on Thursday. I heard him join the broadcast, the radio broadcast. I was not watching because I was driving at the time. I heard him join the radio broadcast, and then I was aware, made aware that he had called into 105.7 afterwards and talked to Tim and Jason. And I, I'm in a weird part where, like, I'll give you two things. One, I, I think it was silly. I think it was – I don't know what – he thought the win was for attacking the Baltimore Sun. I have no idea what John thought he was getting out of that. And inevitably, the Baltimore Sun never did invite people to come open. Like, never said, we'll open our books. John said that. And it would be way easier for John to just say, look, I know what I said. That's not proper business procedure. We're not actually going to do that. But to act like... To try to spin it around on someone else. Right. When this started with you, you were the one that said that. There's no, there's, there's, I can't give a pass to that. Like that's. Do I think it matters? Not really. Not, not at all. I don't think it matters. I, I don't. And I know, if, if you don't, if you are inclined to not like the Angelos family, then any fodder, I understand. We'll, we'll bring back up the feelings that you have. I get it. I, I do. I understand that. Does it actually matter that John Angelos isn't going to open the Orioles' books? He never was. That was never going to happen. So I can't actually be mad about it. Would it be cool if he did? Oh, my God, it would be awesome if he did that. But it was never going to occur. So for me to be mad about it, I can't do that. For me to care all that much about him fighting with the Baltimore Sun, maybe it's because I'm watching Succession right now. I know how rich people work. (laughs) Like I don't actually, but I feel like I do because I've been watching Succession. Like, everything is kind of a, a urinating contest sometimes. Like, yeah, you think that, you know, you're so great. I think it was unnecessary. I think it was quite silly. I think he could have accomplished way more by just saying, you know, guys, I, I know I said what I said back in January. I was kind of caught off guard. 
that's not really how businesses operate. You know that. You know that that the Baltimore Sun doesn't open their books. You know the Ravens don't open their books. You know the Capitals, the Wizards, they don't open their books. The Commanders. That's just not the way that business operates. So I'm not going to do that. I let me go ahead and put that to bed right now. Um, we hope that you guys will believe that you know profits that we're making are being invested back in the baseball team. Continue to talk about the academies that you're opening and the international spending. And say when the time is appropriate, we're going to spend more money on baseball players at the major league level as well. Say those things, and you've got it's a non story because he brought it up to begin with. He suggested that he was going to open the Orioles books to then be angry that people are asking about it. It doesn't work. Like you, you created that, you were the one that put that out in the ether. I'm not affected by it because I never thought it was going to happen no one does that that's not no one operates that way until you know like a lawsuit forces them to or something like that so I don't know was was it a was it a bad look yeah I mean sure it was a bad look do I think it matters at all moving forward because it's not like not like it's his worst look I guess I don't even know what does it have to do with whether the Orioles are going to be competitive what does John Angelo's fighting with the Baltimore Sun have to do with whether or not the Orioles are going to be able to compete in the next three years? I, nothing. Nothing. Zero. Nada. So I just can't get, I can't get that worked up about it. Again, if you think it's an example of who he is and you know why you don't trust him, whatever you feel, I can't tell you not to feel. I care about one thing. Does the baseball team win? Do they continue to make strides to be competitive and move forward? That's what I care about. I care way more about, you You want something I'm going to hold to John Angelos? Are you attempting to sign Adley Rutschman? I care deeply about that. Deeply about that. And if you're not, if your plan is to Manny Machado this thing and to ride it out for as long as you can, take your best chance, and then sell for pennies on the dollar at the last moment, then I'm going to have problems. Because it was problematic the last time. That's what I concern myself with. I, I'm past it. I'm, I'm just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I know these things used to get me worked up in a different way. Maybe it's like Jeremy was saying about his fandom. I am far more capable of saying, does this thing actually matter or not? It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, it might matter to the people at the Baltimore Sun. I don't know. I mean, I didn't, maybe I should have asked Nathan Ruiz that. I, I, I apologize. It wasn't the first, I, I, again, I'm more concerned about baseball. Um, maybe maybe they say this isn't okay. You know, you're attacking, you're attacking. But I didn't think it was an attack. I think it was trying to turn the tables. If John Angelo said the Baltimore Sun is trash, no one should ever read it. I'd have a real problem with that. That's not okay. I didn't feel like this was that. I I, I felt like it was just an attempt to deflect, an attempt to. A misguided attempt, but an attempt to deflect. That's the way it felt to me. But I get it. You know, I would much rather that the story had been John Angelos goes on. I do think later on in the interview, like after he sort of sidestepped a question about giving out extensions, like deflected, wagged the dog a little bit. Hey, are you, you know, we see what these other teams are doing. Are you going to start, you know, going that route? And he said something like, well, we're going to look at every avenue and we're never going to be the Yankee. Like, he didn't really ask the question. 
And then I might have been Jason, to his credit, followed up by saying, right, but specifically, could there be a time where you start working on extending your own players right now? And if I remember correctly, John Angelos followed that up by saying, yes. And that, to me, is far more significant than any of this. Like, you know, that's my thing. That's the thing. Make a statement. Prove who you are by doing that. That specifically changes everything. I don't know if there's somebody who, tra- who transcribed the interview that you yeah. can pull up. But um, like, the first question that was asked, he completely sidestepped it and didn't answer it and dodged it. And then it was a, there was a follow-up that was immediately asked, and he suggested that, yes, they could start doing that. Now, again, that's only as good as the actions that follow it. Just saying, hey, that's something we could do, only matters if you actually turn around and do it. And somebody might say, well, you know, he said he was going to open the books, too. It was still kind of relatively noncommittal. It was uh, Nathan Ruiz actually tweeted it out that on, on the fan, um, John Angelus, when asked about potential extensions, he said the front office will do what they can within the system that they're in. That was, I think that was part of the first answer. That was part of the first answer. I think answer. there was a, a second answer that was given that was more... All right, I'll, I'll, I'll try, to, tra- I'll try yeah. to track it. I feel bad. I apologize. I apologize for not having that. It's just coming back to mind. Um, but I do think it mattered. I do think it was relevant at that point. But anyway, um, I feel like that was it. I feel like that was the last thing I wanted to get to today. Oh, yeah. uh, John from Little Rock asked that we keep the people in Little Glenn, just wanted to see if you and everyone up there can keep Little Rock in Arkansas in your thoughts. The tornado that happened on Friday destroyed a tremendous amount physically and mentally to thousands here. We were fortunate, I believe, he meant to say not to be directly in the path. Thank you. Uh, absolutely, John. I apologize. I didn't, again, because I was away, I didn't even know. So um, absolutely, 100%. Our thoughts with everybody in Arkansas. John, if there's something we can do, um, you know, maybe adopt a family or something like that that you know, tell us, and we'll, um, we'll try to put something together, all right? We'll, um, we'll work on something. Maybe we can do a charity something pool. I don't know what that would be. A charity... Yeah, who's going to be the Orioles' best hitter this season, something like that. We could try to put Draft something like that together. Pool, something. Yeah, something. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm not sure. That, we, don't know, we, could, we, could, we could do like a, a draft draft because we do that every year on the show. Mm. We could do a draft draft where you get like certain names, and if your guy ends up being the Ravens' first pick in the draft, uh. then you're the winner, and you get half the pot, and the other half goes to a, the folks in Arkansas. John, let us know. Let us know if there's something we can do to help out. We would be happy to do that. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of Pressbox, which is only available for like another two weeks. Get it for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. There's Gunnar Henderson on the cover. Great story from Lou Jackson. Go get it right now again for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. All right, I actually mentioned this one on Friday, but I want to make sure I shared it with you too. So Shohei Otani had the 26th instance of an opening day start where he went six innings, had 10 strikeouts, and did not allow a run. He's the 26th player to do that. The previous 25... 25 and 0. Those teams have never lost when their pitcher uh, went six innings without allowing a run and had 10 strikeouts on opening day. Hmm. Shohei Otani and the Angels, of course, lost 2 to 1 to the A's. Tungsten Armo Doyle, baby. Right there. Um, so that was pretty, pretty ridiculous. Uh, stolen bases are way, way up uh, at the moment. Um, I mean, I guess it should continue to be that way. On opening day last year, there were five stolen bases. Teams were five for nine on the base pass. Uh, and then on opening day this year, 21 for 23, 91% success rate hmm. on the base pass, hmm. uh, as there were four times the amount of stolen bases. Uh, across the f- 
the whole weekend, so the first four days of the season last year compared to the first four days of this season, there have been 70 stolen bases, um, which is the most through the first four days since 1998. Last year... So he, stolen- by the way, here was the quote. They're going to do what they can within the system that they're in. Does that mean extensions? Absolutely, okay. I would hope so. Okay. That, that part of it alone more commitment than we've ever seen before. Now again, everybody's picking up the the non-committal part of it. And sorry, I just I just found it. That was the quote that I was looking for. But absolutely I would hope so is as much of a might it might happen as we've ever gotten. So yeah. so the right direction. I hope. Yeah. I get why people might not be as you know, confident about it. I certainly understand that. I'm sorry. Continue to go. No, you're you're good. Uh, so, uh, 70 stolen bases. Teams are 70 for 84, uh, with an 83 percent success rate on the base pass, as opposed to 29 of 43, so 67 percent uh, success rate. 70 to 29 is the stolen base differential through the first four days of the season. Uh, of those 70 stolen bases, the Orioles have 10 of them through the first weekend. Uh, so, looks like we can continue to see that. That's I mean, exciting. I mean, the offense looks. Yeah, the really? offense uh, certainly looked so great. Here's certainly the other looked great. Yeah, uh, the weighted runs, weighted runs created. So WRC plus, mm-hmm. uh, the Orioles have the second highest in the league through the first weekend. The Championship, Orioles, yeah, one hundred, one hundred eighty. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals two hundred two is number one, uh, and then of course the Rangers are third, one sixty. So I guess maybe we can continue Could be to another week runs. of right, <laughs> eight, nine, ten run games. Yeah, the Red Sox are one fifty four. Um, but yeah, so those, those, so, those, so the Orioles are second though, with the most weighted runs created plus uh, through the first weekend. Th- uh, I believe that's time. actually how they determine champions now too. I is think if I, I saw WRC that going plus. into the years, so just whoever the Cardinals and the Orioles. Yep, straight to the there World you go, World Series. Let's go. Uh, the average time of the game is down half an hour through the first weekend. Three oh nine was the average time last right. last opening. I did make a joke on Thursday about how baseball said we're going to shorten these games, and the Orioles and Red Sox right, were like, yeah. "Yeah, not so fast, my friend." Well, that was uh, I, I didn't pull this yeah, stat. E- but even given the amount of runs scored, mm-hmm. yes, even even for a ga- for a game with nineteen runs scored, it was still it like was three oh five or something. Well, it was like three twelve or oh, something like that. Yeah. It wasn't quick. But it was like in the it past eight games like action. that, you would assume would be like a four-hour game. Yes, mm-hmm. it was shorter than a typical nineteen-run game would be. It was like the opening day stat was like the first. Uh, there were three games that went over three hours, and all three of them were like ten nine, eleven to seven, and then like another ten eight or something like that. So they were all like you know entertaining games if they were going over three hours, okay. which I guess you know is the goal of everything. So uh, two hours thirty-eight minutes is the average time of game. Three hours six minutes was the average time of game. Uh, Actually, three hours nine minutes. Sorry, was the average time of game uh, in uh, in 2022. Uh, there have been 40 pitch clock violations, 0.8 a game, so s- just under one violation a game, which I think is, I guess, good. I guess we'll maybe that uh, will it led to, to a down. strikeout, of course, on uh, on game Thursday mm-hmm. on opening on day. Devers, yeah. yes, correct. Yeah, so that was big. And what turned out to be a one run game. Yes, you know, uh, Caitlin Clark, uh, of course, you know, still set. You know, an incredible record. She Scored, had sure did. Yeah, the most points ever in a tournament. Leading up to the national championship, she had 161 points and 52 assists. Um, and that was one of six instances ever where a player had 150 points and 50 assists in any five-game span ever. Uh, and the five previous players to do that, name started with Caitlin, ended with Clark. She was she's the only player to ever That's do this. Yeah. That is pretty amazing. It's the sixth time she's done that. Yeah. And it's the only time it's ever happened. Um, she also scored. She scored more points in uh, postseason play, so the Big Ten tournament and the tournament than Iowa, the Iowa football team did all season. I mean, that's. Hang on a second, though. I don't know if that's the bar you're looking for. 
might be able to put five Iowa football seasons together and not <laughs> match that number. Uh, Thomas Sanogo became the fourth player ever to average 20 points and shoot 65% or better in the tournament while ent- as entering the title game. Once upon a time, there was a thought that he might end up at Maryland, by the way. Sunogo? Once upon a time, he, he was very much in the crosshairs of Maryland. Hey, that would be that'd been nice. I saw, by the way, that Ace Baldwin jumped in the transfer portal. I think everybody believes that's just for him to go reunite with Mike Rhodes at Penn State. Mm. But mine, could you imagine if Ryan Odom could convince him to stick around? That would be that would be that would be nice for VCU. Um, trying to figure because I got a, I got a, I got several for, from from oh, did a we busy ever, weekend. We never really talked about Hunter Dickinson on the air. I think I told you and Drew, yeah, off the air that that was percolating last week, and then it became official that he was in the transfer portal. I do not know. I know Jeff Ehrman's done some reporting about it. I do not know anything personally about. It. Like I had heard that there was something coming. Hunter so, Dickinson, but keep talking about it, put the pressure on. I I don't know. I mean, I say I don't know. I know that he's for his subscribers shared some information, but I've said before I'll never share anything that mm. Jeff Ehrman um, gives is trying to get people to pay for. If somebody else shares it for free, I'm willing to do that. But I just don't give away other people's work. Like it's just something that I'm not going to do. Um, it'd be interesting. It would. That's be. all I can say. It would, it would be. be very very interesting. Obviously, the tie there being Jameer Young. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I see it. I, I still think that, like, ultimately, some you know, Miami's going to come in and say, okay, yeah, you can go play with your own or teammate, or we'll get you six million bucks to come down here. And he's going to yeah. be like, okay, yeah. yeah, I'll go do that instead. So, yep, interesting. Sorry. We'll see. We'll Sorry. See. Go no, ahead you're good. That was because that's Sunogo. very newsworthy. Yeah, so Sunogo joins uh, Corliss Williamson of Arkansas in 1994, uh, Akeem Olajuwon. From Houston in 1984, and then in 1991, Christian Leitner from Duke. He's, you got you got a thing we're trying to bring up, Christian Leitner. He's man. done pretty great tournament oh, stuff, God. unfortunately. Uh, and then UConn has outscored its opponents by 103 points in the tournaments. They are the seventeenth, the seventh team all time with a point differential of at least 100 entering the title game, and they are the sixth ever team to uh, enter the title game after winning each tournament game by double digits. So. I wanted to go ahead and see. No chance. Oh, no chance. I mean, I'm just gonna say names of schools. I wouldn't know what year. I mean, that's just it's just a yeah, specific yeah, thing. Yeah, you're right. Um, like Maryland didn't because I don't think the UConn game was double digits. I think all the other games were. No. Yeah, not Maryland. Maryland not on the list. Um, well, Duke at some point. Yeah, Duke in 2001. 2001. 2001. They won every single game, and then in 1999, well, yeah, they, they shouldn't, have, they shouldn't have won in the Final Four by double digits because the you know the ref screwed Maryland obviously in the Final Four. In it was one of the worst. You think yesterday's game was poorly officiated? Go back and rewatch that Final Four game. The 1999 Duke team had the has the highest point differential ever entering a title okay. game, plus 126. They're the only team to have a triple digit point differential and not win the title. How about that? Yeah. They lost to UConn, of course. Yes, they did. Let's say UConn. Uh, UConn. Any UConn team do this? Not before this one. Okay. Not before this one. How about Kansas? Did any of their teams? Not Kansas. How about a Kentucky in there? Not Kentucky. How about a Carolina in there? There you go. Carolina on there twice, 2009 and 2016, uh, entered with a triple-digit point differential and... uh, and uh, and winning every game by double digits. Uh, how about uh, is there a, is there a point at which this starts? Like, is there a cutoff um, or like? Ye- is that yeah, they're actually all two thousand or later. They're all two thousand or later. So okay. you have so Carolina twice in the Duke team. All so right. Just, there's two more. There's two more. You say that have like hell. You say 
So Florida. Not Florida. So Baylor. Not Baylor. So so they didn't have to win the title. Mm, yeah, these teams did not have to win the title. The Let's see. One of them did. The other did not. Syracuse. Ye- not Syracuse, no. Louisville. Not Louisville. Actually, no, this team, I think they did both win the title. Actually. They both won the title. Yeah. I don't think it would be Virginia. That wouldn't make sense. But I'll say Virginia anyway because there's only so many teams that won national titles. Virginia. Not Virginia. Michigan State. Yes, Michigan State in 2000. Michigan State in 2000. Won every game by double digits leading People up to the final. Things kind of broke for Michigan State that year. That was a weak Final Four outside of them. It was like they were the two eight seeds made the Final Four that year. They played the Mike Miller Florida team in the title game. This one was relatively recent. Pretty recent. Not relatively. It was the last five tournaments. Relatively recent. I guess Kansas. I guess Baylor. I guess Virginia. So before that? Who am I blanking on? Who am I? This is the year. Who am I? That was the year UMBC beat Virginia. Who the hell won that tournament? Why am I blanking was, on uh, this? Uh, yeah, yeah, shut okay, up, you. Okay. I'm sorry, sorry. Shut up. <laughs> oh, Villanova. Villanova, yeah, yes. 2018 Villanova. So you have the 2018 Villanova yeah. team, 2016 and 20, 2009 Carolina team, 2001 Duke team, 2000 Michigan State, and 2023 UConn Very teams good. to uh, enter the tournament, enter the title with uh, all double-digit wins. And then finally, uh, so the... Jesus, still I'm, more. I know, I'm sorry. It was, a, it was a busy weekend. Uh, the distance between UConn and San Diego State's Furthest distance between championship teams in the last 80 years, 2,904 miles between okay. campuses. How about that? Last about 80 that? years. 1942 was the only was the last was the only one further. I have no idea. <laughs> Who was uh, it? Stanford and Dartmouth. Okay, very Stanford good. and Dartmouth in 1942. Very good. All right. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma. To reflect your unique personality and driving habits, check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Yes, tonight on CBS, title game 920, San Diego State and UConn. Orioles-Rangers, 8 o'clock on Masson 2, Kyle Bradish and John Gray. Masson for Rays Nationals at 7, MLB Network has Mets Brewers at 2, Phillies Yankees at 7, NHL Network Golden Knights Wild at 8 o'clock, USA's got Everton and Tottenham Hotspur at 3, then Raw tonight at 8. I know you got a lot of thoughts about uh, WWE not pulling the trigger with Cody Rhodes, keeping the belt on Roman Reigns, right? So so he's going to come back and take it, I guess. Cody Rhodes, that's what everybody thinks, is that they're just trying to drag it out a little bit longer, maybe have him do it at SummerSlam. Who would you have be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns? Cody Rhodes has just an incredible jawline. Ah, okay. And that is my was, is that, was, that's something like that was matters like, to you? I guess so. Because when I first saw him, it almost looked like he had a mask on. Okay, like, so you're a man who judges your champions by what their jawline looks like. Yeah, because and yeah, when it comes down to your pure fa- jawline, give me top three greatest jawlines of all time. Uh, well, Cody Rhodes, I guess, has mm-hmm. rocketed his way up on my yep. list. Um, mm-hmm. in no particular order. AJ Hawk's got a pretty good one. Ah, you know what? I won't argue with that. That is a good jawline. That's a very good point. And then, hmm, I tell you who's got a good jawline, but he's a terrible person. Army Hammer, mm. wretched human being. Hell of a jawline. Hell of a jawline for Army Hammer. Brad Pitt's got a pretty good one. He's I got think. a decent jawline. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, that was that what we did on the show today. <laughs>
non-sports. Uh, a couple things. Uh, let's see. Stephen A. Smith's going to be on Colbert after the game tonight for, okay. for, I guess, to talk basketball. For reasons. Yeah. Does uh, he on, watch the college basketball? I, I mean, I guess just because when you think of basketball and media, he's the first. I, I, I mean, I maybe f- for the NBA. Yeah. I, I mean, either I don't, way. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Race to Survive, Alaska, the series premiere on USA Network. Um, this will be survivalists are competing for $500,000 to and teams of two to trek across Alaska. Oh, okay. And, and, uh, race, race across the, the Alaskan wilderness. Sure. Looks pretty serious. If you say so. On Hulu, a pretty baby Brooke Shields documentary, um, just about, you know, the sexualization that yeah, she kind of grew up yeah. in and, like, the kind uh-huh. of abuse that she went through. So uh, should be interesting. And then Martha Cook, season two on the Roku channel. Don't know it. Martha Stewart is going to be sharing ah, her recipes, great. baby. Great. I saw there's a trailer out for the next season of Mrs. Maisel, which makes me very happy because we've been waiting for what feels like eight years for another season of Mrs. Maisel, which is excellent. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's a little bit, I think it's in like two weeks maybe that we get to finally watch the next season of Mrs. Maisel. Mm -hmm. Hey, expert and award-winning AJ Michaels Heating, AC, Plumbing, and Home Performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Thanks today to uh, Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun. Thanks to Pat Scary. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. Stan hung around for a minute. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Um, Nick Boyle will join us tomorrow. Nick Boyle's going to join us tomorrow. Yes. He is the f- former Ravens head of Nick Boyle. Showed up at Maryland Pro Day last week. And everybody was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, sometimes alumni show up. But Nick Boyle, of course, played at Delaware. So, mm, a lot of confusion. Even more confusing... He showed up at Maryland Pro Day and was long snapping. <laughs> Weird. What's that all about? Or is it genius? Well, the word is he's th- thinking about trying to transfer to a different position and extend his NFL career. So we're going to talk to him about that. He says physically he can't play tight end anymore. Hmm. We know the Ravens loved him. They tried to keep him around. Like They believed in Nick Boyle, but he says physically it's done. We're going to talk to him more about that. A uh, very interesting story is Nick Boyle will attempt to continue his NFL career in a very different way moving forward. Um, and Patrick, Patrick Stevens. will join us. We'll recap the title game tonight. We'll talk about um, it was a really weird loss for Maryland yeah, lacrosse they, I this mean, week. They got dominated, really. They, got, they, they were never in it. They got their, they were, well, no, they, they, they battled back. They got back yeah. within two, and then Michigan. Michigan. That was really weird. Really, really weird. Uh, but a good win for Hopkins. They beat Rutgers. That was a very good win for them. So we'll talk about all that with Patrick. And stuff and things, of course, on the program tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Acostas Inn, Guilford Hall Brewery, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and Hartford Community College. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go Birds. Duke sucks.